When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Headman to Long Seven. We got Freddy. Always keeping it spooky. He's back, motherfuckers. I'm back, motherfuckers. <laughs> also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So let the lights sit back and let the darkness envelop you. If you like that and want extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a what? K. Now, keeping things going with our A24 month, also known as Change of Plans month. <laughs> the change of Plans. Change of Plans. Everybody change of plans. We didn't have this planned at first, but... Due to our solidarity with the strike, we definitely want to make sure we are supporting them as much as we possibly can. And the best way to support them is to um, choose films that are not struck work. So we decided to do that. Now, last week we had a, a very special guest on the show, Joe Mertens, which... Shout out to shout him. Shout the fuck out. He's an amazing human being. He truly is. He truly fucking is. I love you. Uh, Freddie was not feeling too well last night, and um, I, I made the uh, night call signal on Twitter, and uh, y'all showed the fuck up. Like, the night call. The night call. With a K. With a K. <laughs> um, but y'all showed the fuck up, and I appreciate that. Um, for super short notice, but it was it was a, a nice hand few of DMs and messages and things like that, and I actually uh, got to, the opportunity to listen to a few other podcasts um, that, that we're going to be Hell working yeah. with um, in the future as well. So I'm looking forward to that too. So should be a lot of fun um, to have that all going on. But no, thank you all so much for doing that. Um, but shout out to Joe Mertens, who uh, was kind of the first person to kind of slide in the DMs like extremely fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it was awesome that it all worked out. And I'm glad that Freddie's feeling better too. That's uh, 100%. I, definitely I'm happy important. that I feel better. Me too. Because it didn't miserable sound great. Next week. Did uh, not next sound week, great. Last week. I felt so bad. <laughs> See, I don't, I'm still recovering. No, mentally I feel you, dude. I feel off. you. It's all good. But speaking of Joe, that means that we also have to give an extraordinarily special shout out to all the rest of our patrons over on patreon.com slash nightlightpod. Shout, shout out to all the ghoulish nights out there. But Joel, James, Kate, Kayla, Philip, Zachary, Nashia, Frank, Kristen, Lizzie, Josh, Vaughn, Alexis, Johnny, Layla, Eric, Kelly, Daniel, Cheyenne. Uh, we still need a night name. We do. We still need a night name. Uh, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking. Yeah, we need. To Honestly, out I've, I've just been thinking about rain night or or like stormy night. Ooh, ooh. I know. I got overly excited. Stormy night's sick. Stormy night's pretty fucking dope. Good name. And it really goes with Cheyenne's like last name too. Yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. fire. That's all I got to say. Pretty oh, fucking fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, David, also known as Knightley. Carrie. Brandon. Anna. Drew. Patrick. Oh, hello. Jessica. Jared. Chantal. Rio. Jesse. Joe. Shout out to you again, my friend. Kaylee. Rob. And last but certainly not least, Freddie. 
thank you all so much for honestly supporting the show and supporting the dream and keeping the lights on here in the good night studio. We very much appreciate it. And we appreciate the love that you've been showing us as well. I also wanted to give another um, shout out to, of some upcoming things. If you're not a patron on patreon.com slash nightlightpod, that is totally okay. But now might be a fun time to do that. Um, if you were ever considering it, we do have free trials as well for our $5 tier, which gets a lot of the same stuff um, as our $10 tier. However, our $10 tier is going to get a little bit of a beef up um, where we've been kind of playing around with the idea of another show specifically just for that tier where we're going to be talking about some urban legends which should be a lot of fun there'll be reddit urban legends there'll be regular urban uh, urban legends but that show is going to be called the night ritual and it should be a lot of fun so we'll see when all that uh, comes down we're working on budgetary stuff right now um but that is something that we do have planned for our ten dollar tier um so we're going to beef that up quite a bit more so if that is something that you are curious about or interested in by all means go ahead and sign up for that tier and uh check it out but the film that we are covering this evening oh real quick too shout out to the discord too we hit a hundred members Thank as you. well yes that's humongous if you haven't joined the discord please do it it's such a great fun time in there so yeah all the spooky stuff all Fuck four yeah. there 24 well, 7 truly though dude like it is it, it's grown the discord so has grown much. quite a bit um when we first started the discord you know like the, the, the 100 members for us that that's a, that's, that's huge that's, that's huge humongous. for us I, you know i i didn't expect it to get past like 20 right <laughs> like this is a bunch of people just hopping in talking <laughs> yeah. about memes and spooky things and movies and recommendations and, yeah it's Even been like, cool. We have a little mental health area. And I was do. like, that's fucking great. Yeah, I love it's, it. It's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, the community is just a, a super nice blend of folks. And I'm happy that it's uh, pretty close-knit, but I'm more than happy uh, when it grows as well. Yeah. So Enjoy it's growing more and more every day. It's all been good yeah. things, too. It's been great. It's been vibes, for sure. It's been good vibes. It's been vibes. Spooky vibes. It's, it's great. So, yeah, if you do want to join the Discord, that is going to be inside of our show notes as well. So you can join there, too. But... The film we are discussing this evening, everybody, after all the fucking mountain of announcements we just announced, <laughs> the film we're discussing tonight is Saint Maud. First and foremost, Freddie, thoughts? Awesome. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Uh, this holds a very weird place in my life, I guess, because forgive me if, uh, or correct me if I'm wrong. This came out right before the pandemic hit, right? Technically. So this was released in Europe first. Yes. And we've been hearing a lot of um, remedies about how great it was and how amazing it is. It even, I think- it even had this con- this conflict where some critics got the film on a screener before other critics right. did because they stopped it during the pandemic. Um, and this was like in the midst was, of it, it was being gnarly, like um, talked about, reviewed. Um, a lot of critics were talking about it. Well, critics couldn't even review see it. it. They were just like, "Fuck, I've well, seen Saint Maud." Yeah, it. like I can't yeah, yeah. talk about it for like a uh, year. And I remember that, and I, I felt that there was such a craze for it. And people were yeah. like, "I want it. When is it coming? When is it coming? Just release it on digital." And like everyone's just everyone like, "We just want to see it." Yeah, and but they I was one of those people in theater. Yeah, no, I think I think you were invited to one of the screenings that got canceled. Right I before. was, yeah. yeah. So I got invited um, to the screening a week before it was canceled. <laughs> so this was a movie that was so hyped up, was almost right there in the palm of our hands, and it was just taken, was away, just taken away, and then we had to wait. Yep. And 
the wait came. I was able to watch it when it finally came out, and I don't remember. I don't think it just released in theaters for us, right? It did. I don't remember. It, it did, did release in theaters. Okay, so I'm pretty sure I saw this at home for the first time. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching the trailer. I'm like, oh man, she's putting nails in her shoe. That's fucking wild. That's the trailer crazy. was fucking great. Um, she's levitating in the middle of the world. We had we had the Billie Eilish remix song as right. well. All there, good there's girls so go much to hell in or whatever. Here where I thought it was this crazy bonkers ride of a movie, and then when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, it's a slow it's very burn, slow and very thoughtful. calm, collected, and yeah. artsy, and artistic." It's a twenty four, very <laughs> like it's very much like, an a twenty four movie, level two hundred. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate it, but it's not the movie I thought I was going to watch. Yes, so it took me away from what I got out of it. Yeah. And I kind of like left watching it disappointed, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like it was a really well done movie. Yeah, and I don't want to take that away from it. And on the rewatch, I kind of felt the same way. Yeah, um, I try to love this movie, and I feel like a lot of people who love this movie, I understand why. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff to love about this movie in general because, like I said, the cinematography is great, um, the lighting's fantastic. Um, the character herself is someone who is very quiet, but also complex because yeah, there's, there's so much so stuff that's going into her mind yeah. and her mindset and what her beliefs are and what she's going through and her transformation as well and what she's trying to show everyone around her. And she feels very alone and seclusive and you can really feel that in this movie. It's very grim. It's very dark and very gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't really sugarcoat um society yeah and it's wrongs right people are drinking people are having sex and there's there's this thing where she sees like oh everyone around me needs to be saved i'm their savior like i have to put in the word of god and it has this really great context of like social commentary with also religious beliefs and also a lot of imagery and then kind of her how she like if she ever fails she has has to punish herself and i guess we do have to give a little bit of like a red flag too, like a trigger warning. Uh, there is a lot of self harm in this film. A lot, um, and it's hard to see her go through those things. Uh, but it kind of makes sense for her as a character to go through those steps of like sacrificing and uh, going through um, penance. I guess like she wants to like if I sin, I have to like Repent. do things to myself yeah. to make myself. Um, a true follower of God. Yeah, it's like it, it's it's like the concept of of nuns, right? Where nuns right. punish themselves if they have like a, a dirty thought, for right. example. So like they feel like they need to punish themselves for um, go to confession, then punish, and you know to kind of cleanse themselves of that right. sin, right? And I don't think nuns do that anymore. But that was like a big deal back yeah, in like the eighteenth, nineteenth. We've century. seen a lot of even like um, films where like they show kids and they show like the priest and the yeah, ruler yeah, exactly. or with the ruler and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's like you're you're a sinner you're gonna be punished right. it's physical like abuse um but the movie itself is very gorgeous it's very it's great movie. to look at yeah. um, i love that it's shot on location as well yeah like that's pretty cool like it's shot on location in in england's version or the uk's version of uh of Coney Island. Coney Island? Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's, it's aesthetically pleasing it to is. look at and too. It's and it's weird. 
Like it's, it's a weird it's fucking, movie. It, it's, well, like it, that location is weird because it's it seems just, off, it, right? Yeah, like it seems it like seems, it shouldn't go. Well, <laughs> it, it's and that's the thing where like she is in this land of sin, essentially, right? Like everything around her. Scarborough is the name of Scarborough. the town. Scarborough. Um, there's a lot of things that she sees as unholy mm. in her travels, which is interesting city. because like I love that we get context that that's new for her. Yeah. That's like a new And that's something religion. where she kind of has to like tackle with as well because she's, she's a strong believer. Yeah. But at the same time, she lets herself into temptation sometimes just to be a part of them, be a part of the people around her. Yeah, like and kinda, we see her night like out on the town and do her little missing. thing. Um, and that feels like an awkward thing for her too. And yeah. she's trying her best to like quote unquote fit in. Um, I think it's a very interesting movie. I feel like it's not going to be for everybody. But a lot of people can get something out of it. And that's the thing I really yeah. like about this movie. I got something out of it watching it and watching it again. I was not mad to have watched it again. Yeah. It's not a movie I dislike, but it's something that didn't really click with me. Um, it wasn't really for me, but I still appreciate the art that was put into this. And they did a good job with it. No, I agree. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm the same way. The first time I watched this, I did not like this movie. Like, I didn't like it at all um, just because it was not what I expected from the trailers. The the trailer. A little misleading. The trailer misled a lot. Like, the trailer is nothing. It seemed a lot more paranormal. It seemed right. like there was a lot it, more. It like, seemed like a possession haunting. horror. Film, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? so, and, and I went in expecting that and uh, thinking that this is going to be the craziest A24 movie I've ever seen. Right. Um, and, and it wasn't. It was, it was, for me, it was very lackluster. I got what they were going for. Yeah, and I got what they were doing the first time I watched this, but it just wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I what I wanted from this movie. Um, watching it this second time around, I liked it a lot more. Um, and even though I liked it a lot more, I still probably wouldn't want to watch this again. Um, yeah. just because like it's still not what I want from it. it I, but yes, it is a great movie. Um, you know, I do I do like the parallels between. Um, someone who's battling with a mental illness and um, how dangerous it is for them to also have a religious affiliation, you know? Um, and I'm going to get a little right. personal she- on this episode as well, because my, bro- this happened to my brother yeah. um, where he battles or he's still battling with schizophrenia and um, with his schizophrenia, it got way worse when he like had religious undertones to it. Something to put the energy into. Exactly. Right. And something that manifested more and, and like him claiming to hear God and, and things like that. And it would, it would be some scary because for shit. Them, it probably made more sense. Exactly. That. Like, yeah. you know, talking to God and, and things like that, like physically talking to God instead right. of um, doing it on a more, uh, metaphorical level where it's just right. like oh no i talked to god when in reality that person may know like i just prayed you know <laughs> like i just prayed um but I, I do think it's cool that rose glasses was her this is a fucking very great valiant first film um yeah, for no, rose this glass is, like a really fantastic di- director directorial debut, debut it's crazy yeah this is a great film i'm excited to see what else she does um now that i know right. what type of kind of director she is and, and granted this isn't gonna say she's gonna keep this one style right like right, right. but um it 
kind of seems like it based off of the next movie that she's going to be doing. It's called Love Lies Bleeding, which is going to be a romantic thriller. Um, and uh, it's going to have Kristen Stewart, Dave Franco, Jenna Malone, and Ed Harris. So the cast is I fucking I love all stacked. of those people. Yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm very Jenna excited. Malone, too, I'm like, she's very underrated. She's uh, great. A very short log line, but the log line itself is the film depicts the extreme qualities it takes to su- uh, succeed in the competitive world of bodybuilding, which I'm going to be very oh, curious whoa, about fuck? because yeah. none of them seem like the bodybuilding type. No. But yeah, maybe they're all judges. I don't know. I, maybe. I, that's why I'm curious. I'm yeah, very yeah. curious. Because, uh, like, I mean, Dave Franco's a pretty built guy, but I wouldn't say he's, he's not like huge. bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, so, I'm uh, very curious to see what's going to happen. But um, they uh, finished filming last year. So, it sounds like we'll be getting this one soon. This was one of the films that was uh, greenlit to release through the strikes. Um, So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So hopefully we get this one soon. It sounds like we'll probably be getting a trailer at the least, probably by the end of this year or early next year. So it should be pretty cool um, to kind of see that. But anyway... You ready to jump into this, man? Let's do it. Let's, Let's jump, in. jump into this, man. St. Maude, directed by Rose Glass, released January 29, 2021, with a runtime of one hour and 24 minutes. No budget found. However, a box office of $1.6 million. People did want to kind of see this movie, which I yeah. thought was pretty cool. Rating of 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I can see. Yeah, I can see it too. I can understand that. Like I said, it's a well-made movie. It is. It's just not for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we open to the sounds of water dripping as a woman is lying over the edge of a hospital bed, bleeding profusely on the ground. Maud is uh, sitting in a corner, staring at her in shock with blood covering her mouth and hands. <laughs> yeah. um, blood, blood is all on her hands as she looks up toward the ceiling. A bug crawls overhead, causing her to stare at it in amazement. Title card. Super intense title card. Also, the music itself is gorgeous in this movie it's so haunting yeah this is one of my favorite shots too when they show her in the corner and it's, it's like really cool going shot. down really and cool it's really shot. like symmetrical of her in the corner yeah um this is where for me the second watch really clicked for me i was like yeah. oh she's going through like ptsd of what happened and what she saw and slash did trying to like save someone and failed yeah at it. yeah yeah so that's the trauma that she carries that probably converted her to a more religious lifestyle. Yeah. So it's interesting too, where, you know, we say that we say that she failed um, to save this person. We don't get much context of what happened besides her having a PTSD flashback while having sex, which we'll get to. We just assume, or I guess her like colleague kind of talked about a little bit. Very uh, briefly. We're like, no one blamed for what she did. She she, she was, was doing trying her to job. Help. Yeah, she was, she was trying doing to her help. job, and we and, and I guess one of those lessons like too hard. Well, if, if you're doing it right, <laughs> if you're doing it right, that could happen. It, it can, yeah, Absolutely. no, it, especially it, with uh, elderly people. Actually, oh, yeah. um, a mutual friend of ours was an EMT, and he said that he like went little graphic. Sorry, everyone. He went through someone's chest because they were a little too old. Yeah. And he was trying to resuscitate them. Yeah. And unfortunately, they didn't make literally the same thing that happened here. That's literally why you need your CPR license so you cannot get sued if you break someone's fucking sternum. 
Yeah. Because it's possible. It is very much possible. Or no, if they pushing. have the card filled out, if they want to be racist, uh, exactly. brought back. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, you know, all that stuff isn't really, really important when you're uh, considering it, right? right? Because, like, you, you do need to make sure that, like, hey, this is a possibility that can happen. So you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a whole fucking show um, dedicated to that. Uh, it was, it was, yeah. uh, what was the fuck was it called? It was the Jessica Biel show. Uh, God damn it. Uh, the center, the center, the center. That was the whole concept of, of season one where like something happened where this girl had brittle bones and they fucking crushed her bones from trying to resuscitate her and she died. And it was fucking very, That's very, sad. very yeah. violent. But yeah, I mean, the center fucking rules. That's a great fucking show. Have you seen that? No. Oh, dude. The opening scene is literally on the beach of this dude getting stabbed to death by Jessica Biel. Oh. That is how it opens. What the fuck? It fucking rules. Watch the center. <laughs> like it rules. <laughs> Watch the center, dude. It is, fu- it is fantastic. And she has no idea why she did it. She just fucking did it. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> you find out later why she does yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah, it's great. It's fucking great. That's a great show. <laughs> Cut to boiling soup as someone argues indistinctly in the background. Maude goes over to her window to uh, drawn out the yelling by shutting the window. She pours herself some soup into a bowl, sitting at her small kitchen table inside of her flat. Uh, she forms the sign of the cross before praying, quote, Dear God, watch over me as I embark on this next posting. I uh, think I'll have to get up at about six tomorrow. Hmm. End quote. Next day, she's leaving out of her apartment with her suitcase as she continues her prayer says conversation to God. She continues, quote, the pain in my stomach persists and is now further hampered by menstruation. I've taken two ibuprofen and milk mag- uh, magnesia. Forgive me for my impatient uh, for my impatience, but I hope you will reveal your plan for me soon. I can't shake the feeling that you must have saved me for something greater than this. Not that I'm complaining or anything. Amen. End quote. Maud walks through the boardwalk up a long, steep staircase up a hill to an ominous estate. She arrives, opening the gate and buzzing the doorbell. The nurse opens the door, confirming that she's Maud. She answers that she is, and the nurse gets right to it, quickly sharing her duties. Also letting Maud know that the person she's caring for, Amanda, has a friend coming over tonight, wanting to make sure she doesn't drink because the doctor started her on a new course of B12 shots, and she'll have one of those every evening before dinner. Pointing in the direction where her bedroom is as she continues rushing to get out of there she also points out to um, that amanda is on the left sarcastically calling her quote unquote your majesty Maud questions how she is the nurse responds that she's quote a bit of a cunt end quote sarcastically telling Maud to have fun before leaving out of the doors she places her jacket on the rack before heading upstairs all right <laughs> this wow. nurse want to get the fuck <laughs> yeah she's like i'm done this is your post now this oh is your problem god I'm yeah, I was curious um, what happened with this one. Maybe she just quit. I feel like, well, Maud's more quiet. She like just takes things non-personal well, from the start. Um, I feel like maybe with uh, her name's Amanda, she does seem like a very strong personality. If you're not with her, you're gonna get like talked to i guess uh because we do have that party scene and we see how she acts and she's kind of she's she's a boss yeah yeah um and she's not very kind and like hey if you cross me i'm gonna go through that as well it's like oh yeah it's like you you said something to have not this person not come here anymore yeah watch this and just like 
dunks on her essentially. Right. Um, so maybe she just has that strong persona. They didn't click, so they're just constantly battling each other out. So it's like possibly. your problem now. Like Yeah, possibly. I mean it's because inter- it seems like they assume that she's at end of life. Like she's already in hospice, essentially. Yeah, she's stage four. Um, so, which I think it was stage four lymphoma. So it's it's weird for a nurse to leave at that stage unless there was a sense of conflict. I right. Assume. Which I assume there was, yeah. right? You know, uh, and um, with Maud, she also, we, we know that she hasn't had a job since the incident. Right. So this is her first job since the incident. So they were running the out incident. of nurses for this person. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of nurses probably weren't jumping to it because they probably knew who she was. Right. Because um, she does she mention soon that she was a little famous. Um, yeah. So they probably knew who she was and she, they probably knew she was a piece of work. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you her know. Repres- her, um, yeah. 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 She goes into her room, unpacking her suitcase and doing some minor decorating, removing the picture off the wall to place her cross in there instead. Cuts her performing a physical on Amanda. Maud VOs uh, who she is and what type of cancer she has. Stage four lymphoma of the spinal cord. And we do see later how badly it's affecting her. But we right. also even see like um, her, her, yeah, her veins, right? Through like right. through her feet and through her arms and things like that. Um, see, and you see she her still wiry has feelings hair in her feet and stuff as like well. That. Yeah. Um, trying to see how cord. far it goes because uh, yeah. it's in her spinal cord, so she's she's paralyzed, right? Right, like she can't move her legs. Like if it's in her spinal cord, it, she's completely paralyzed by this point, I assume. Um, so, you know, like I, I assume from the waist down because she's still using her hands to smoke cigarettes and shit. So, like I assume from the waist down, she's paralyzed, which is why she's probably checking just to make sure. Like, can you feel this in your feet and your legs? So, hey, but. Yeah, she. Yeah, I mean, she, she she's able she, to get up a little. She's bit. able to get up a little bit. So so maybe that's why she asked if she could feel this. Right, um, she's losing her motor ability of like right. walking and stuff like that. So she yeah. used the wheelchair. She definitely. And it's funny, like she she scoots out of there. Immediately. <laughs> she's like, "Get in the chair, get out of here." It was funny because when she was like kind of in the wheelchair, I was just like, "You can definitely tell you did not practice this." Right. <laughs> you can definitely tell that was a very last minute thing for you. <laughs> she goes into her room, unpacking her suitcase, and oh, excuse me, I um, already said that. Uh, she uh, Amanda smokes a cigarette, able to feel all of the pokes, wanting to know if they're done. Maude agrees and grabs the wheelchair as Amanda puts the cigarette out. She wants to know what time Amanda would like dinner. She wants dinner at 8. Letting her know that there's a shopping list on the table, Maude tries to assist her with the wheelchair, but Amanda claims that she has it and rolls out on her own, leaving Maude to make the bed. Maude is making dinner, double-checking the medication order, walking it over over to her uh, inside the living room where Amanda is. She VOs that she looked Amanda up before she came there, knowing that she was a dancer and, and choreographer, considering her a minor celebrity, finding that she has little time for create, creative types because they are self-involved. <laughs> Maude gets uh, gets right. her B12 shot ready. Amanda readies herself by rolling up her sleeve and slapping her arm. <laughs> so I was like, all right, yeah, she's definitely used to this. Right. <laughs> um, wondering what she is cooking in the kitchen. Maude answers that she's cooking spaghetti and garlic bread. Amanda nods her head, calling it splendid as she sparks a cigarette and then takes her pills. Later on, Maude gives her a shower and then wheels her back into her room. She goes back into her room, undressing and lying down on her bed without getting into the covers. We got a lot going on, right? Yeah. 
We could tell Amanda is at the point in her life where she knows that she's dying soon. Yeah. And rather do the things that she wants to do rather than like go through the right way of doing things. She's smoking cigarettes. She's she's kind of pissed off at the treatment. She already knows like there's not going to be any help from this. Yeah. But I still have to do it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. But I'm still going to do the things I want to do while I'm still alive. Right. Which is understandable in someone from her position. Yeah. Um. But this is where we can see the start of the conflict that she'll have later on with Maud. Absolutely, yeah, and and you know, shout out to both of them. Their their chemistry was fucking fantastic yeah. in this movie. Yeah, like, I like uh, the Jennifer back and forth. Ely and uh, Morfitt Clark. They they just have such an like great on screen presence. Oh yeah. my gosh! Like it's absolutely impeccable, and and Jennifer Ely, like she she was in Contagion. Yeah, she was in uh, Pride and Pre- Prejudice, the show, as well. She's so like she's really she's, great in this movie. She's fantastic she's, in this movie. I feel like, unfortunately, she's not the not not unfortunately the main but focus. Like, she, uh, she steals every scene that she's in. Oh, with absolutely, her. absolutely. Yeah. You know, like it, her on screen presence. This is this is definitely saying a lot, so like bear with me on this one. But like it reminds me of um of uh what's her name? She played in I'm blanking out really hard on her name, but she was in um The Devil Wears Prada. But um oh. it was it was the main uh, yeah, yeah, the main yeah, yeah. boss. I mean, yeah. She's she's obviously yeah, a I fucking legend and I'm just blanking I out her, her name face. right now. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Um but I don't know why yeah, yeah she trust me. Exactly you're talking you, about you and me both. Yeah. Fucking ADHD. Here you go. But uh, like, she reminds me of of Meryl Streep with her on scene presence and right. her um, mannerisms, the way exactly. she actually like acts, and like and even they kind of look the personality alike too. is so like good. she looks like a little bit of a younger Meryl, Meryl Streep to me, a Jennifer Ely. Yeah. Um, but like uh, Morfit Clark, I mean, God, dude, she was. It's funny about Morfit Clark because Jennifer Ely was in Pride and Prejudice, the TV show. Morfit Clark was in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> um, same, same. Same, same. That's so um, But she was also in Crawl. She had a very small part in Crawl. But she's really known for um, that new Lord of the Rings show. She's oh, one the of the Rings main of Power. characters yeah. in Lord of the Rings. She's um, on the poster. She's on the poster. Exactly. <laughs> she's the main the main one. Um, she's also in uh, his Dark Materials as well. So like she's mm, very much she's good project. into a lot of like fantasy yeah. type of uh, um uh shows and things like that. The first time I saw her um do something just absolutely extraordinary was uh inside of uh that Lord of the Rings show. Yeah. You know, and which is funny because I watched this movie before that, obviously. Yeah. But for me, I was like, holy fuck, like I really need to pay attention to her because she's fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really excited to rewatch this knowing that and having that particular context. But hey. It is what it is. Anyway, in the morning, she stretches out Amanda, and as she leans over her, she taps on her necklace saying, oh, hello. Uh, Maude tries to quickly cover it. Amanda asks who her saint is. She tells her that it's Mary Magdalene as she continues stretching Amanda out. Um, who um, Amanda didn't know that they actually made necklaces for her. Which, <laughs> I love her response. Like I got it online. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. Yeah, she was like, oh, I ordered it online. Um, <laughs> That's which so is funny to me. super funny. Um, I don't know much about saints and how to how your saints chosen. I know your saints chosen because of your birthday, but like, um, I don't know much about how or like who the saints are and stuff like that. Yeah. I have a favorite saint. 
um, Padre Pio. I, I love Padre Pio, mainly because that dude, they're making a Padre Pio movie, by the way. Uh, but that dude claimed to be possessed by demons like oh every God. fucking day. Like, and he, it's like, it's, it's on record, quote unquote, right, right, right. where he was supposedly like possessed by like over 200 demons. Look him up, dude. This dude's like he had stigmata three times. Like this dude's nuts. And I am very excited for this movie because it sounds like it's going to be the craziest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I want to see it so badly. But yeah, Padre Pio, is, uh, th- that dude was intense, man. Just read a quick excerpt about him, of Padre Pio and Possessions. Then there you go. <laughs> when you find it, read it out loud. <laughs> Amanda comments that she's prettier than the last one. She stares at Amanda as she turns her attention to an incoming text message. Maude leaves outside the room, looking around before choosing to explore. She finds some of Amanda's dancing possessions, books, and some framed dancing images. And I love that quick little shot of that K666 on one of them, too. Right. Um, did you find something? Uh, it just says that his Pio is most known for his deep wisdom about prayer and peace. Uh, miraculously reports of his by location being physically attacked by the devil <laughs> and mastering the spiritual life. Padre Pio's nuts, man. And they got the 13 fun facts about uh, <laughs> um, Padre Pio. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it was, it's what interesting, was this man. miracle? Healing his aunt of wounds sustained in a fire. Interesting. Yeah. He could speak to divine beings as a child including his guardian angel. Interesting. Yeah, dude. This so ever is, since he was a kid, he was like, are you my is, guardian angel? This is no, this is why, like, well, like I'm, I'm being attacked like, by the devil. What you doing, guardian? <laughs> why are you not hopping in? Help me. Uh, this is why, I, this is why I like this dude, dude. Like, it's just, this is like real, I don't it, this love dude to look is, into his history. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm like, I know it's St. Anthony who like, makes me help find things. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> My mom was always big on that. It's like when she was trying to find parking, she'd be like, all right, let's ask for St. Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> to, to find parking is like, I think he finds lost things, not like <laughs> parking spots, but sure. Yeah, it's a loss, loss for someone, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> she moves back um, a curtain from the poster that's drawn with Amanda lying upside down looking out, um, which is great because we see that image again later online. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda is getting ready for her party, putting on a wig and asking out what she thinks. She quickly tells her that it um, it is good before walking to grab her jacket to leave out of the house. A loud knock on the glass door grabs Maude's attention. She opens the door for a man named Richard, incorrectly identifying her, calling her Mary. She corrects him. He doesn't introduce himself, hoping that they aren't kicking her out. She assures him that they aren't and that she's going to meet up with friends anyway. He quickly dismisses, almost interrupting her and bidding her a farewell before going straight to meet up with Amanda. She leaves out of the house while walking down on the boardwalk. She journals that she should have told her that she would have been fine in her room but thinks that she would have been embarrassed. She comes by an ice cream shop looking inside the cabinet of of flavors as she smiles. A homeless man, Pat, is panhandling for some change on the ground telling her whoever to, or telling whoever uh, to fuck off if they don't give him anything. Uh, He calls over to Maude to see if she can spare some change. She rustles around in her pockets taking out some change to place in his cup with a smile. He thanks her and then strikes small talk about it being cold out. She ignores the gesture, um, wanting God to bless him and never waste his pain. He's surprised, calling out what? <laughs> May God it's bless the, you and never waste your pain. It's the way she says it. Yeah. 
Well, it's like, it's kind of cold, isn't it? It's just, just like, God bless you. <laughs> and never, and waste, never your waste your pain. It's that, it's that last line where I think he was like, wait, what the hey, fuck? Yeah, like, like, waste my pain? Uh, like, never <laughs> take your inconvenience or bad situations for granted, Exactly, yeah. It's like... Don't waste this moments while you're like peddling for money. Right. He's like, and he's like, what the hell? He's like, he's like, God bless you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lady. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, she immediately walks away telling him nothing. He laughs, calling out for God to bless her too as she ignores him. Got to her eating French fries alone inside of a diner surrounded by other people eating. Maude doesn't understand how Amanda can end up in a town like this. She looks around to someone putting a fake eye into their open socket, considering this town to be a dumb and unappealing, knowing that Amanda must feel the same. The man catches her staring and she looks away trying to finish eating. She go- She's back outside walking and fidgeting with a lighter before she receives a call. Maude is concerned. Meanwhile, Richard is trying to convince Amanda to come back to London so she can be around people as they watch her old dancing videos. She doesn't understand why he cares so much. He demands her not to be um, petulant and they are getting dangerously quote-unquote Norma Death I don't know who that is. Me too. Um, but I'm I'm gonna look her up right now. Uh, just to bring up real quick, when she's eating alone, this is one of my other favorite shots of this movie. It shows her dead center in the middle of the whole entire like uh, restaurant. She's looking at everyone, and not one person's looking at her. Nope. And it creates this real sense of loneliness and isolation for her, where she even lied about saying like, "Oh, I'm gonna meet with, with a friend," where she doesn't really socialize with anyone and this is a great shot showing that and really isolating her oh who is surrounded by everybody sunset boulevard it's the villain in sunset boulevard i thought it was a dancer Um, oh no you never seen sunset boulevard oh dude you should watch it it's a a great movie man um you would you would actually really really like sunset boulevard i bet like the opening shot even is like it's fucking great beautiful oh my god yeah you'll you'll like sunset boulevard yeah for sure um yeah though i i completely agree with you based on the shot because for her the way she's looking around it makes it seem like there's people watching her right but in reality no one gives a shit everyone's doing their own thing you know just kind of chilling and hanging out um and then this guy who's trying to just live his damn life Put his eyeball in his his eye socket. And she's yeah. like, just like, Ugh. she's like disgusted <laughs> by society, essentially. Pretty much, and it's, it's weird because it, why I think it's such a great shot is like she could be surrounded with a room full of people and still be alone. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I do love this also motioning of like fire or combustion. Yeah. For her as well, where she's not able to she's successfully, bomb, essentially, exactly, and yeah. she's not able to successfully combust until the end, right? Which you know, which I really love. Like she's she's always fidgeting with like a lighter, or even that moment where she tries to light the candles on the cake and she right. can't do it, um, and all that stuff. So it's it's really fascinating how we it's get literally that the slow burn. <laughs> it, literally, it is. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. It's, yeah, yeah, like which I, slow burn I do of the find movie. to be really really cool. She gives him a fuck you as and throws something at him, shattering it on the floor. He calls her a stupid cow. As he cl- goes to clean up the mess, Maude walks 
into the room. He greets her and so does Amanda, but he's but um, hers is more sarcastic as she gives off a laugh. He apologizes to Maude for calling her back early as she goes to tend to Amanda, taking the cigarette out of her mouth, which Amanda immediately just puts in another one and lights it up. He thought that he would be able to keep up with her drinking. Maude lets him know that things are different now. He understands and switches the TV off. He asks if she would uh, if she would need for him to do anything. She tells him no. Amanda tells him to not be an idiot. He kisses her on the forehead. She holds his hand and he tells her to take care of herself. She And that's the last time we see of him. <laughs> Never back after that. She doesn't seem to want to let go as if she misses the touch from her friends. Maud checks on her before she begins to retch all over the carpet. Quick cut to Maud cleaning up the mess on the carpet. Amanda speaks about Richard being a pompous asshole, insisting on him back in the day when he was consistently trying to fuck her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mentioning his uh, current appearance about him having plugs and wondering if Maud saw them. Maud expresses that she didn't. Amanda agreeing that nobody sees what they don't want to as she takes out her lashes. I love that. I love that because Maud is seeing a whole bunch of things that aren't really happening. Right. But for her, they are. Right. Um, Maud puts her on the bed and grabs some water from her from the tap. Uh, the light flickers upstairs, which causes her to stop for a moment, but she tries to ignore it for now to hand Amanda the water in bed. She accepts it. Drinking the water and Maude is about to walk out, she stops her, wanting Maude to stay with her, expressing that she doesn't want to be alone. Maude sits across from her. Amanda is curious how long she's been at been an at-home care nurse for. She awkwardly shares that she has been been for just over a year, trying her best to withhold eye contact. Amanda questions her question, uh, excuse me, Amanda continues her questions, wanting to know what she was doing before this. Maude answers that she was working at St. Afra's uh, hospital. Amanda calls it a horrible place, wanting to know if she's seen a lot of death. Maude confirms. Amanda wants to know what made her leave. She isn't sure, thinking that she just needed a change, gently shaking her head that she doesn't know and she was spread too thin, thinking it was, it was what God wanted. And when he came into her life, everything changed. Amanda understands that this is a recent conversion for her. Maude nods her head. She smirks, wanting to know when Maude prays, does she receive a response? Maude agrees that sometimes he does talk back. Amanda mm. finds this peculiar, questioning her hearing his voice. She nods her head as she explains that sometimes it feels like it's, a phys it's physically <coughs> inside of her, believing that that's how he guides her, sharing an example of that when he's pleased, it's like a shiver or pulse, but it's all warm and good, knowing that he's just there. Hmm. So her explanation is very interesting. Yeah. And she's like dead serious. Yeah, she... Coming she from a general place, it. and like this is exactly how he communicates to me, and this right. is real. This is how I feel. This is not something I'm making up. Yeah, uh, it's a hundred percent belief. Right, and it's interesting because like Amanda doesn't bat an eye at it. No, like she, you know, she's like genuinely listening. She and, respects and, and, it. Yeah and, yeah, and and you know, and and I think for her, she's like cool. And, and, and deep down, we know she thinks it's bullshit, but at the same time, right. she's not going to say that. She has no problem with Maude at this point. Right. But I also think she very much understands, too, because she probably gets the same feeling from dance. Right. Like, you know, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, th that that kind of feeling of, of some type of sense Something that you're is, passionate about. Exactly. You get that same. And in and, and, and a sense that you can't really truly says explain it later on too, that to she's anyone like, else. I think she says it later on. It's like, I was like you at one point or something like that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember, but um, 
it's th- this is just interesting based off of just what everything that we're seeing so far. But yeah, we're we're in a very early stage pre-spiral. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Maud gathers the, the clothes, tossing them into the hamper as Amanda continues lying in bed. She expresses that nothing feels real anymore. And ever since she moved back there, she keeps thinking about her last moment in life, wondering what it would be like, wanting to know what she would be looking at. Maud approaches Amanda as she continues to wonder if anyone else would be there, questioning then what, holding back tears when she believes that there won't be any that there won't be anything, wanting Maud to tell her that she's wrong. She approaches Amanda, leans over her ear telling her that there's more knowing that this isn't just afterwards claiming that god is everywhere and he sees her not allowing her to fall maude moves back out to smile at her amanda shares the smile placing her other hand on top of maude's claiming or calling maude her little savior this sentiment has maude drop her smile and move away as she leaves out of the room her face showcases concern and somewhat confusion and this is interesting because like I think this is where Maude kind of has her brain blessed. Like, is this what God always wanted to tell me? Like, you know, right. like, am I supposed to be here to save this right. woman from am sin? Am I and, a yeah. saint? Like, what am I, am I being? She gets this, yeah. Like, she kind of has this realization where she's like, what the fuck? Like, am I, am, is this really me? And then she gets that that pulse sensation, right? Because right. as the electricity crackles and pulsates around her, she slowly climbs up the stairs as the lights continue pulsing overhead, exhaling sharply as she continues up the stairs, feeling on the other side of the wall, it being pleasurable to her as she continues her ascent. She falls on the stairs, touching and rubbing her face and body as she continues to moan on the middle stair. This is interesting as fuck. Right. Like... You know, she is... That's the thing, it's like, when you feel a very powerful force or whatever, there's a sense of euphoria. Yeah. It seems like, especially, like, in religion, like, this is what she's always dreamed of. Yeah. Having a purpose, having a uh, a path laid out before her, and she falls literally under the cross of Jesus. It's like, this is what I was chosen for. Mm-hmm. Um, Does she fall under the cross? Because I don't think she's in her room Because she yet. looks up. Um, yeah, you're right, you're she, right. Yeah, I think it's just a weird head. cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like looking up and then it cuts to the cross. Like right. she's looking up to the cross. Exactly. Of like God and right, Jesus. Right, 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 right. Holy Trinity. But yeah. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you even kind of brought this up though to where, you know, it's almost like a euphoria type of sensation. Because like, you know, um, and I don't know if this is the same for like every like, church or whatever um but i i grew up protestant right like and mm. and i went to catholic school first and then so i guess i started catholic and then i went to protestant um and now i'm i'm more like agnostic i guess more than anything but um with with that like go- growing up in a protestant church in a predominantly black protestant church mm. at that I like you would see people get captured, quote unquote, by the Holy Spirit, and they start fucking speaking in tongues and right. wilding out, and, and like you know, like going crazy. Um, and this is kind of that same concept, right? Like this is a, what's happening to Maud here is kind of the same thing. I feel like hers is just more sensual right. um, than anything, which is interesting, right? Because like you know, it, it's it's funny because like you think of. I mean, sex, right? right? Where in in general, when people are having sex, w- one of the main things that they say is "Oh God," right? So, oh my God, or you know, they they use God's name <laughs> in, in in 
during a sexual pleasure or whatever. Right. And and in reality, it's because it's like the most holy connection you have right. with someone. It's the most like I guess godly you feel. I guess, and, and I don't even think for that. It's just that many. Like it's not even like a religious thing for people, right? Like right. It's, it's just more so the fact that like. It's such a it common thing like to heaven. say, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in certain situations. Like when something bad happens or like if a car crash happens in front of you, oh, my God, like it's just a reaction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the same thing here as well. But it's funny. It's just funny. It's a because strong connection that's to That's the something. parallel yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting here. <laughs> uh, she goes back up to her room, tearing, up, tearing open some popcorn kernels and dropping them to the floor in front of her crucifix. She kneels down on top of them, staring up at the cross as she speaks to God, thanking him as there's a montage of her and Amanda stretching. This is interesting because it's like, it's still sexual, right? Like, the, the like she's very much connecting the dots between pain and pleasure right, right now. Mod continues speaking uh, with God, understanding that there was a larger plan for her because it doesn't feel like she's like punishing herself per se. Like, this almost seems pleasurable. Like, she... She right. genuinely wants to do this. It maybe it goes back to that line she says to the homeless person. Maybe sometimes pain is good to live in that pain, to feel something yeah. and be a part of that strong connection she has with God. It's like this pain is worth me following in your footsteps, Jesus. I'm praying to you. Thank you mm-hmm. for allowing me to be in this moment and connecting with you. The The journey is worth the trouble, essentially, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, it makes sense. She pours out all the alcohol, continuing that it takes nothing special to mop up after the uh, decrepit and the dying. But to save a soul is quite something larger. Feeling the presence of the faith all around her, allowing her to feel more fulfilled. So um, so much more than sh- she wants to share it. As she's speaking, she's trying on Amanda's jewelry and putting on her perfume. Later that evening, as she's cleaning up the dishes, she begins to start breathing heavily as she seems that she feels the orgasmic sensation yet again. She lets out a loud gasp, but it's interrupted by a knock on the door. She stops to answer it. Confused as to who it might be, it's a woman telling her um, that she can see her. Maud answers the door to Carol standing there, surprised to see that uh, that it isn't the other nurse, Cynthia. Maud agrees, promptly introducing herself, wanting to know who she is. Carol extends a hand, but Maud doesn't accept the gesture, commenting on the time. Carol pushes open the door, letting her know that Amanda is expecting her as she walks past her. Maud angrily comments that she's sleeping, but Amanda's light turns on. Carol continues heading toward the room, leaving Maud scowling at her. Cut to Maud washing her hands and throwing some water on her face. She notices blood inside the sink. When she looks up, her nose is bleeding. She overhears the eruptions of laughter coming from Amanda's room. Maud preps the the meds for Amanda in the morning. She sees Carol leaving out of Amanda's room, counting money. She ponders she ponders on this as she continues getting her breakfast ready. As soon as she sits down at the table she, to pray, she's called into Amanda's room. She meets up with Amanda who pats the couch to have her sit down next to her. Maud excitedly sits next to her, placing her bowl on the coffee table in front. She does the sign of the cross and begins to pray. Amanda turns off the TV to join her. She, this makes Maud happy as she pr- as she prays on the both of them, thanking God for bringing them together, and then blesses Amanda's body. Amanda smirks at the prayer, but she, her smile fades when Amanda begins um, talking about her mind uh, being corrupted and needing saving. She completes it, inhaling sharply and slightly convulsing. Amanda questions his presence and joins Maud in her orgasmic convulsions, claiming that she feels 
feels it too as Maud really starts getting into it. Amanda mimics her as a flashback of Maud assisting her during her stretches. She inches toward Maud's hand, gently caressing it. Maud takes uh, takes in a large gasp so wide that her eyes begin to bulge. So we're already getting a very interesting dynamic uh, between dynamic. For me, and how I interpret this scene is, I feel like Amanda's just playing with her. It's of like I, I'll, I'll follow along with this. Like, yeah, I feel like she's at a point of her life. It's like fuck it, let's do this. Let's yeah. pray together. I don't really do this, but okay. Right. It's like, oh, you feeling? Me too. Yeah. Like, let's be in this weird situation together, but it, it kind of works. It, well, like I said, their on-screen presence yeah. works together it so really, much. It, it's a great but flow. Maude doesn't see that this is kind of like mocking her. Right. This is what's really making her happy. Like, yeah. oh, I can save you. I will save you. It's driving her path a lot clearer. Yeah. Well, it's also the fact that it, it also feels that Maude has some type of sociopathic, like, uh, attitudes right. as well right where she doesn't really have like empathy towards others except herself right like you know like she's she's not able to read the room she's a little self-absorbed herself. exactly and it's funny that she calls the other creatives that yeah. as well i actually but. feel like she's more than just a little i think she is Absolutely. self-absorbed yeah, yeah. you know like i think it's all about mod it's either um, my way or literally the highway exactly things like um but I also think in this situation too. I think Amanda f- is attracted to Maude. Yeah, she yeah. she flirts with her a lot. Oh yeah, she does. Like she um, she even calls her like you're, you're a beautiful young woman, right? Like all these and she even t- she even says she's prettier than the other other woman, right? Like yeah. another nurse. She was like she's a lot prettier than the other nurse. And you know, I I think in this moment, this is how Amanda's just like, um, well, yeah, let's fuck see where, it. If, where this goes. Yeah, yeah if you're like, having an orgasm, I want one too. Like yeah, you know, like, so like. Her touching her hand was like a, a nice little way of, of her to be like, yeah, let's let, let's be a part of this. You know, like I know I know you're feeling something because we even get the flashbacks of of t- touching her and stretching and, right. and things like that. And it's it's interesting. It's really interesting it's because because when sure. she touches Maude, Maude definitely accepts the touch. You know, but, yes, but clearly, see it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So she accepts the touch, but when I want to talk about the large gaps with the eyes bulging out, because yeah. this is the first time we're getting something fantastical right, for right, Maud, right. right? Um. Where besides the pulsating lights and things like that, I'm not going to really count that, but her eyes bulge so intensely, like, like they're yeah. about to pop out of her fucking eye socket. Um. Like Trying to pause it, but it's, and it's quick. Yeah, it's a pretty fast scene, but her eyes definitely, her mouth gets very elongated and her eyes definitely like looks like they're about to bulge out of her skull. And this is the first time we have like could really see like, oh, something is a little bit more off right. with this woman, right? Like there, there's something a little bit different here besides the fact that of course, she has some tendencies that are a little weird and things like that. They're, I wouldn't even say weird. It's just like may not make sense to others and, and whatnot. Uh, but for her, this is where we're starting to see like, oh, wait, there might be like an actual mind alteration thing here and some type of uh, mental hallucinations and things like that. Right. Uh, you know, to where her feelings might be a little bit more fantastical in this moment. In, in reality, like... Is Amanda actually doing these things or is Amanda actually just right. staring at her like, what the 
fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like That's what a fair just point. happened? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> So, like, you know, it's it's hard to her say. Head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it's hard to say that, like, this is actually happening. Where in, we see, in, like, in the ending, too, it's like, oh, I'm a f- flaming angel. And then, like, right. it cuts real quick to, like, what's actually happening. Yeah. So, yeah, this could be some, like, mind game that she's seen herself. But, yeah, no. It's creepy looking. I'll say that much. It is. It's a good job with it. It definitely is creepy looking. Like, this is, like... Like the first time it's you're like the actually eyelids, like getting... pull all the way to the right and left. It's yeah, it's crazy. nuts. Yeah. She has more eyelashes too yeah. in this moment too. Like it's just everything is just exaggerated, and I think it's really cool. But yeah, cuts to Maude lying in, um, lying on her bed, smiling as as she shows off her scars that's on her stomach. And I think this is a part of the stomach pain that she was talking about here. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like just more self harm stuff. Yeah. It has to be, um, and this this it it's it's like on her stomach, and I didn't I didn't write this, but it's really technically underneath her underwear. Like right. it's it's like it's just the fact that we can way. see um, where the Markings they probably are. mark starts, but they're definitely going into her underwear and more around her pelvic area. Oh, yeah. um, so it's possible that she probably maybe feels shame in her her uh, needs her vagina. Yeah. You know, like, you know, where it's just like, nope, not my pleasure box. Can't be touching that. You know, so like it's just it, it might be something kind of along yeah. that line. Lot, lots of scratches. Lots of scratches. Lots of scratches. And I, and I assume this might be a way for her to kind of try to stop herself. Her urges and stuff like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a alarm? <laughs> That was weird. <laughs> anyway, Ooh, Maude provides Amanda with her shot in in, in her um leg. It looks like her leg, but I think it's her arm. Um, as she gets ready for the evening, she comments that Amanda looks beautiful, which causes them both to giggle. She gives him she gives Maude a book of on William Blake with a note inside. Quote for Maude, my savior, with love from Amanda, and then she puts just an X, which uh, we know is a kiss. So, um, or is that a hug? X's and O's is, are O's kisses and X's are hugs. X's are hugs. Okay, so it's a hug. Then like, um, so, yeah. th- so this could even go along the lines of like maybe Maud is exaggerating her relationship a little bit more. Right. right? Um, anyway, she smiles as she flips through the book, gawking at all the angelic images. Eventually, flipping through more of the uh, through more of the sinister-looking images, she flicks through a b- the book a bit more, coming across an image of two angels with their hands in prayer positions. She tries to mimic it before being startled by Carol coming inside the room on the, on her phone. Carol uh, is chuckling to her, whatever her conversation is that she can't come out tonight, calling Amanda a bit weird, but she's all right with uh, before telling her whoever it is that she needs to go as she stands by the fridge. She looks at Maude commenting about her face embarrassed. She touches her face and tries to ignore her going back to her book. Carol mocks Maude with with sensual gestures as she pops the cork off the wine. Maude immediately grabs paper towels as Carol stands stands there laughing uh, because she Spills it when she pops the cork mm. off. She cleans up the mess. She claims that she can do it. She uh, can do it. Maude instructs her not to allow Amanda to drink too much. Carol tells her not to worry and that it's mostly for her as she takes the wet nightgown off. Amanda calls out to her, wanting to know if she's coming back. And uh, this is interesting because, like, we get context that okay, yeah, Carol definitely is doing this for the money. She does not find Amanda attractive. She has to drink in order right. to it's do like, this with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for Maude, she's probably just like, well, this is super messed up. This woman's right. an angel and blah, 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 blah. Like, 
she has this she's other doing these undecency acts with this person who's right. awful yeah doesn't even care about you yeah mm-hmm. which we... and now sees her as the savior of her too so it's like this is like I'm protecting you at this point right which you know this is all feeding into Maud's ego right where she's like I could do this like yeah. i can save a soul like this is gonna be great yeah uh Maude is back alone inside the kitchen eating and reading the book she reads quote religious themes would play on a prominent role throughout blake's career namely a rejection of um of organized religion which he claimed was an ugly distortion of a true spiritual life end quote she turns out the lights as she is about to walk past amanda's room loud music and muffled giggles come from inside she looks at the two of them lying on the bed kissing one another uh, Carol gets up and starts dancing as Amanda watches her with a smile. Her smile fades as she continues looking. And this was kind of sad. Like, it, it just, it, did, it didn't look like, um, like Amanda wasn't having a good time. It was just more so like Amanda seems like she wishes that she could be dancing alongside her. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like, she just misses the past, I guess. She's fulfilling her fantasies with her. Yeah. It's like, yeah. vicariously, you know, just kind of fulfilling that. Yeah. Next day, Maude waits on the top of the steps until Carol comes out of Amanda's room. Ooh. Weirdo! Yeah. <laughs> uh, she catches up to her, wanting to speak with her. They go inside the kitchen, and she closes the door, telling Carol that she wants her to stop seeing Amanda. She's confused. Maude wanting her to leave her alone. Carol questions if Amanda told her this. Maude immediately tells her that she didn't but it's an important time for her right now having big things to focus on which carol can um can't can't fit into anymore carol smirks that she doesn't know what she's on about but she understands that um her patient's sex life is none of her business i mean fair point (laughs) mod brings up the fact that she's giving her money carol reiterates once again that's none of your fucking business. Maude b- uh, believes that she's trying to be respectful and tries to explain, but Carol doesn't want to hear about it, finding it her problem in that she doesn't like that Amanda has sex with women. Maude's voice becomes more aggressive at this point, and it's actually kind of scarily aggressive. Yeah. And she's like, like, if you don't do this, something will happen. Pretty much. But she's pretty much saying, like, look, I don't give a fuck if you had an eight-inch dick. Like, <laughs> yeah. bringing up the way that she like, looked yo. at her last night um, is all she cared about. Carol becomes defensive. Maude questions if she believes that she's too good for her. Carol claims that she isn't. Maude reminding her that Amanda is dying, and she she has a responsibility to look after her. That being life and death, also spiritual. Not wanting any hard feelings, but finding her presence to be a waste of time. Carol <laughs> asks if she can hear herself, reminding Maude that she's just her nurse. Maude whispers that Amanda doesn't, doesn't want her to see, but... She's vulnerable right now, not finding it right for her to live out the last bits of her days while a quote-unquote silly girl doesn't care about her. Carol interrupts her, interrupts that she does. Maude rebuts that she doesn't enough. Carol is about to leave. She steps in her path wondering what she's doing, thinking that she's probably about to tell Carol or, or Amanda. She answers that she's leaving. Maude is surprised, confirming that she will do it. Carol sighs anything, um, anything she wants. And she's being sarcastic in this yeah, point. Yeah, anything right? you want, but Maud. This is this is where I I picture um, one that Maud may even be slightly on the spectrum a little bit too, right? Um, but I think it's more so Maud's um, sociopathic tendencies 
of not being able to read body language. Right. It's like, what are you doing? Oh, you're leaving. Okay, that's fine. But are you going to do it then? Right. Yeah. yeah so you know, so she like. She feels like, like, oh, I didn't understand that you were trying to leave. And like, okay, this conversation's over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. doing it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. we, like, I just want to make sure we're, we're, we're in agreement, we're right? Like, <laughs> now you can leave. You can leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maud whispers for her not to tell Amanda that she told her, wanting her to make something up and to not hurt her feelings. Carol sarcastically agrees before leaving. Maud sighs a relieving sigh. She blesses the house with holy water and the sign of the cross on the wall. She believes it went well. Amanda's phone not ringing all day. Feeling that it is a relief to her and she radiates peace. Maude and Amanda are having an inaudible conversation as she gives her a bath, commenting that they don't uh, need anyone else. Maude goes for a walk on the beach as she's humming and smiling. Someone calls her Katie as they approach her. She looks back and tries to walk faster. An old friend, Joy, runs up to catch up with her, continuing to call her Katie. So this is where we get context that Maud changed her identity. Right. She changed her identity from Katie to so bury her past. That's why she's able to get her exactly. new jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, so to bury her past, she had to bury her identity, yeah. right? Um, shout out to Joy, though, by the way. Her last name, Lily Knight. Shout the fuck out to you, Joy. Lily <laughs> <Which> Knight. <laughs> Shouts out to you, Lily Knight. Who's her name? And it's Knight with a K, too, yeah. so it's even more fire. Um, but this, this was interesting, right? And when you I first watched real? this, I didn't catch this. I didn't uh, catch that, you know, she ch- hid her identity. Right. And changed her identity. I just, I just, I don't know. It just, for some reason, it didn't click until the second watch. As weird as it sounds, do you think she's real? Joy? Yeah. I do. So I think yeah. I think a lot of this stuff is real. I went to like metaphoric with this character. I was uh-huh. like, oh, her name is Joy. This is the Joy that she's trying to come back into her life so she can be happy again through the trauma that she went through. Or well, like that. it's interesting that you say um, that because everyone's name in this movie, except for Maud's and uh, Amanda's, they all have like a pretty... Interesting, like, like Carol, Joy, and, like, and Christian, happiness, Christian, yeah, yeah, like you know, um, it's like we we have like a lot of names in here that are very much related to happiness, right? You know, yeah. um, which is interesting because like Christian is her fling, that's the fling she had, uh, who was a fucking asshole, obviously, like he rapes her, um, which is <laughs> yeah. a very very. I hate that Wrong scene. Wrong levels. Yeah, it's, it's gross. But we have Joy, who's just like, in trying the beginning, be, not trying to really look out for her. She's just more confused. It's like, how are you working again when you... Well, I feel like that's just like a side thing. But her it is. like, hey, I haven't seen you forever. We should hang right. out. Give me your number or whatever. Here's but like, we, we learn later that Joy and her weren't friends. They were, right. they weren't buddies. Like, they just worked together. Right. They were colleagues. But she's making the effort to like... Reach socialize out. with her exactly reach out. giving her her number and that's and like, like, like that. hey you could be happy again even though i know what happened like right. she's the one that knows the full picture right essentially but it's also yeah. interesting too because like we get the phone call where maude tries to thing, hang like, out with when her when she's looking for joy it's unavailable it's, yeah it's unavailable but when she really needs it most it's right in front of her and she doesn't and claim it, it. it it reminds me of it reminds me of a kendrick lamar song um it's called Love it's called kendrick. uh count me out Come out, yeah, yeah from the new one, album. One, on. of my, one of my favorite songs by Kendrick, um, but he says this line that had that just resonates with me so so much, 
where he says uh, 3 a.m. and 3 in the morning, scrolling through the the call log. Nobody's accepting. You're just looking for the fall off. And it's just like, Oof. like, that's, deep. that's yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. much this what happens in this movie. Right. <laughs> you know, when the like, moment needs to be there. Are they going to be able to pick up? Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's just, man. But that line in you that, me at 3 in that song I'll, I'll just hits you, so hard. And <laughs> thank you. Uh, but like that, if someone were to call me at three in the morning. Yeah. Like, you, I know it. It's probably serious. Yeah. Like, first of no. all. Um. <laughs> Fun fact, I usually tell my friends, like, hey, I have my ringer on even at night. In yeah. case you need to reach out to me, go for it. Right. I will pick up. Yeah. There you go, Google. It's nice. always good to have, like, someone. Oh, Especially, yeah. like, it's, like, 4 a.m. You're going through something. You just need to talk to someone. I'd rather risk my sleep than risk your mental health with something. So, yeah. like, Or something call me. worse. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Like, you know, you Do never know. So yeah, I mean that that's yeah. awesome that you that Unless you I'm definitely like make knock, yourself knocked out. It's like my bad. I fell asleep hard. Of course, but yeah. yeah, but like no, I mean that, that's that's awesome that you make yourself pretty readily available yeah. like that for sure. Um, I definitely do not do that. I <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do not do that. Yeah. But I I do make myself readily available for like my grandma and my my mom right, right, and, right. and my wife. So like they're the only ones who technically can get past my <laughs> but yeah she turns Maud around hugging her and asking her how things are in, in um, going since it's been ages since they last spoke Maud expresses that things are good forcing the question back at Joy she sparks a cigarette suggesting that things aren't bad as she explains she's tired and has patients sleeping in corridors at this point and she's been double booked considering it to be a madhouse Maud is silent Joy breaking the silence wanting to make sure that she's t- um, taking care of herself she nods and claims she is. Joy thought she left town since they weren't seeing her around anymore. Maud says that she's uh, she's been around, sharing that she's a private carer now. Joy's surprised at this uh, since she's still nursing. Curious who's who she's doing it with, Maud answers that it is with a private agency. Joy questions if they know what happened. She immediately argues that they do. Before the awkwardness completely sets in, she tells Joy that she has to go and that it's been nice to see her. Joy calls her back and writes her phone number down on a piece of paper, handing it to her. Maud is confused. Joy explains um, it is for if she ever wants to talk or get a drink or anything like that. They part ways. Cut to Maud checking Amanda's blood pressure, teaching her how to play solitaire. She checks on Amanda's pulse, which causes um, for her to cheat on the game. Maud spots her, uh, telling her that she can't do that. Amanda plays it off as if she didn't do anything. Maud catches on, smiling that it isn't fun if she cheats. She tries to assist her on the game before Amanda receives a phone call from our sponsors. And we're back. It's not a phone call from our sponsors. We technically don't know who it's from, but we can kind of guess. Probably Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Requesting Maud to give her a moment and that uh, um, and uh, to take the empty dishes. She does as she's told. Amanda asking for a cup of tea and answering the phone, greeting the person and telling them that she wasn't expecting to hear from them. And, and I was curious how long it's been, but I, I assume... Each thing that's passing on is like a day by day by day thing. Um, So I assume that it's just been maybe a day or two. Um, Maud puts the puts on the tea, concerned by the call that's happening inside the room, overhearing Amanda's conversation of confusion and misunderstandings. She fidgets with her nail as the water begins to boil. Amanda's off the phone, somberly looking down at the table. And you can tell Maud fucking knows. I mean, not Maud, excuse me. um, Amanda Amanda knows that like, okay, Maud. You little... (laughs) <laughs> Savior you. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, like, we can definitely tell that she's not happy with Maude right now. Um, and I think, I think right now she's just trying to, like, consider, like, why would she do this? Right. Kind of thing. Like, why, like, why does she care? And I think in her head, she's just trying to, see, like, piece together, like, right. is she's she not homophobic now. Yeah. or is she jealous? Does she want this? She went all right. up in this. Like, what? It was what's up? But the other dude, like, right? No, he tried to be in this all the time. <laughs> Maude comes into the room, handing her a cup of tea, but she doesn't respond to the gesture. Maude tries to suggest that they should get out of the house sometime and possibly go to the theater, knowing that Amanda could potentially suggest something. She uh, she is about to uh, continue, but M- Amanda cuts her off, telling her that she wants to go to bed. Maude comments on the time being five o'clock. Amanda reminds her that she'll go to bed whenever she feels like it. Maude acknowledges grabbing her wheelchair and understanding that now isn't the time. While Maude is giving her a bath, she overcomes by a pulsating sensation. Afterwards, she watches TV on the couch, but she's not able to force um, force... Oh, excuse me, focus on it. She So she decides to physically punish herself by placing her hand on the stove, immediately wincing in pain and removing her hand from the stove. Now, this actually felt like pure punishment. Right. In this moment. And it wasn't even punishment. It just felt like I need to feel something. Something else. Right. right? Like I feel uneasy now because right. of that whole entire interaction. She's mad at me for something. Yeah. And we get the context where like either she knows everything or that's her saying like, hey, I can't see you ever again, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, to see if her plan worked. And it just makes her feel like so inside her head yeah. that she needs escapism, right. which the TV is not helping. It's like pain. Yeah. That's the next thing to like. I just need something get my else mind to focus something yeah, else exactly. on. If I feel um, pain, I can't think of anything else. Right, except for pain. except for the pain. Right. Um, are these stoves just always on? <laughs> I don't like. Know. She just opens the lid, and it's just like a fucking McDonald's Mc, like like McGriddle machine or some shit. Like it's just like, uh, and quick. I don't see any knobs, so I think it's just always on. You just open the lid, and it's just on. Sketch. It's just ready to go. Make me some uh, some eggs, toast. just real quick. Yeah. Throw it on there. Nah, you thought of a definitely a way better food. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm just like I'm like eggs. You're like French toast. I'm like yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I would do that too. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> way was, better food choice. I don't know why I thought about this right now too, but we just had like a little festival where we like where I work, and they did these like um, chicken sandwich with waffles. So chicken and waffles. I was like. The hamburger, but that's like how they do it. I'm like, why doesn't anyone make French toast and have chicken in the middle of that? They do. That sounds fire. Uh, Stop. It's Where? it's it's a, a particular version of a Monte Cristo. Have you ever had a Monte Cristo? I've read the book, dude. <laughs> your life will fucking the Count of change, Monte Cristo? man. Dude, it's so good, man. It's literally a ham and Swiss cheese sandwich, but on it's French it's toast. on French toast. And it comes with like like powdered sugar Ugh, and like stop. this boysenberry sauce. If you ever find a place that just does a really good Monte Cristo, one place that does a good Monte Cristo is Fog City, right there on on the Fisherman's Wharf. Bruh, <laughs> goes there tomorrow. Bruh. I'm <laughs> telling you, man, that place is fire. But yeah, the next morning, Maude gives Amanda her injection and meds, then her breakfast in bed. She doesn't take her eyes off her phone, laughing at whoever she's texting. She instructs Maude that she needs needs for her to go in town uh, to pick some things up Mm. Um, because tonight she's having a party. Uh, Maud tells uh, tells her that uh, that isn't a problem, smiling at her as Amanda returns the warmth with a quick smile of her own before continuing her text. 
Now, here's the thing. Was it actually her birthday? Because, like, Maude didn't say I guess she could birthday. do whatever she wants. So I don't yeah. Know. Like, I just think she was just like, fuck it, I want a birthday party. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to invite my friends really quick. I, I want I want a birthday party. Like, who knows when, if I'm going to have a real birthday party ever again. Right. So I want I want a birthday party with all my friends. So. Yeah. Very seems very impromptu. <clears throat> it does. Uh, cuts of Maude walking on the boardwalk with the groceries. Back inside the house, Maude is making appetizers while Amanda is throwing a party. I thought this was interesting because, like, Maude, isn't she just supposed to be a nurse? Right, and she's, she's like, over here making fucking full blown hors d'oeuvres for like this whole like party. Party. Like, <laughs> I would have been pissed. I'm like this isn't my job. You better hire you somebody else for this shit. Get out of here. She rolls in, smiling at Maude as she smiles back at her. Then Carol walks into the room, causing Amanda to scream, "Oh yes!" <laughs> Which makes Maude frown and and surprised as she continues chopping the herbs. The night continues as Amanda is making small talk with her guests while the music is playing loud as shit. I don't know how she's able to even have any type of conversation in here can you hear each other like oh my god am i old for thinking that like i don't know probably mod is inside the kitchen trying to light a match for uh for the some candles and once again she's not able to light that flame just right yet, right she's not she, there's no way for her to do this just yet i feel like everyone smokes cigarettes in this movie <laughs> i mean it's europe yeah, that's fair. So, like, that when I went to Spain, that's literally all it was, was just yeah. cigarettes everywhere. And, like, they have no filter cigarettes in some places. So, like, yeah, dude, you're just, like, you smell the cancer in the air. Like, <laughs> like Jesus Christ. A woman named Hillary walks into the kitchen wondering if, it, if it's ready. Maude explains that she's trying to light the candles. She doesn't waste any time and decides to light it herself with her lighter. Once complete, she starts walking um, walking the cake out with a smile, demanding Maude to grab the plates and turn off the lights. The music abruptly stops and Maude shuts out the lights. The crowd exclaims in surprise. They all start singing <laughs> happy birthday to Amanda, and they're actually legit singing happy birthday. And I was yeah. so Super curious how they got the rights to the song. This song's like supposedly super expensive. If you sing happy birthday in movies. Interesting. Yeah. It's like it's copyrighted. Maybe it's not anymore. I don't know. Um, but I'm curious now. I'm looking it up. I can look it up. Because um, it's uh, it was copywritten in 1988. And yeah. I guess you have to Go through here when it was copywritten in 1988. But yeah, interesting. Oh, it was copywritten because it was in the Guinness World Book. Wow. Um, of yeah, the so most you, recognized you saw song. that where it says um, they purchased a company owning the copyright for it with the value of Happy Birthday estimated at $5 million. Dude, and here's the thing agreed oh. to pay back $14 million in licensing fees. So this that, was say, just, that was from fucking Warner, Warner Chappelle. This is Wikipedia, so it's not really a great resource. I mean, sometimes. Uh, is Happy Birthday still under copyright? The song is in public domain in the U.S. and European Union. Oh, there you go. Makes yeah. sense then. There we go. So, happy... We actually get shut down for some reason. <laughs> and this is how Nightlight has gone off air. 
Maude, uh, Maude leaves to, uh, to watch in the darkness. Amanda tries to blow out the candles, but she starts to cough and needs assistance from Carol. I would not want that cake after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's super fucked up, but like, no, thank you. Uh, Maude turns, uh, turns the light back on and places the plates on the table. Hillary uh, asks Carol how her and Amanda met. Amanda answers that they met online. Hillary jokes that now she has a menage a trois. And it, this is interesting because I think I think she answers just so she doesn't have to say Carol's actually an, an escort. Right. Um, and I think that's why she just was like, we met a line. That, that's how we met. <laughs> Amanda chuckles that she doesn't, uh, sharing that Maude doesn't like Carol. Maude overhears mm. um, as she eavesdrops on the conversation. Amanda continues that she cannot figure out if she's a bigot or jealous, speaking mm. loudly enough for Maude to hear that she tried to sneak behind her back to scare Carol away. But that money's too good. She looks up at Maude when she says the next part, quote, to save my soul, if I understand correctly, end quote. Maude becomes visibly flushed, trying to excuse herself. Amanda demands her not to run away because she's talking to her, telling Hillary that Maude's her savior and she's been looking out for her more ways than others, turning the question to Maude that she's got a little carried away with it, though. Maude glances over at her, Amanda questioning if she is indecent. She answers that Amanda's lost, which causes her to chuckle. She tries to leave out of the room, bumping into a few um, few of the party goers, glancing back at Amanda as she tries to leave and force back in on a panic attack. Hillary um, comes up to her, the others laughing as they place a napkin and a ribbon over her head to mimic a saint. Amanda calling out that there's that there's her little saint. Maud holds back tears, talking the makeshift or taking the makeshift headpiece off her head. Amanda grabs her by the hand, telling her not to. Not to take anything she says seriously wanting to see her loosen up wanting uh wanting her to have fun well she still can but Maude has more important things on her mind. Amanda sarcastically agrees that how how can a human's frivolity, uh, frivolity compete with the heavenly father's warm hard pulsing Maud then slaps the shit out of her to silence her mm. And this is what I mean on how she just wanted to be involved in that orgasmic feeling that Maude was feeling in that moment. She was like, I want an orgasm too. What the fuck? That looks great. Like, <laughs> I'll have whatever she's having, you know? Another thing I would like to point out as well is that this movie is very dark. Like there's yeah, a, a lot of dark, of dark, a lot dark, of dark tones, in but this well film. lit greens and yellows as well. Exactly, which makes Maude's eyes look very dark. Yeah. but we see later that her eyes are two tones. Yeah, it's, and it's like a duality. There's a for her heterochromia. Uh, yeah, heterochromia. Yeah. And um, it's weird because I've seen and I've been pausing a lot here too. Uh, a lot of her pupils starts to like get like bigger, very black. Yeah. Squirt of water everywhere. It's <laughs> so very interesting. It is, and it, it's it's a it's a really cool like concept cool of, yeah. of like you know the, the the cross between which one is she? You know, right. is she good? Is she evil? Or whatever, right? Like like the duality between her is very interesting here. 
The crowd all gasp and one person pulling her out of the party and others tending to Amanda. She releases her, um, herself from him, looking back at her patient whose nose is bleeding from the strike. Then Maude groans in pain, holding her stomach before being pulled out of the party. Cut to her sitting inside her superior's office um, while she clicks a pen. And it's not her clicking a pen, it's her superior clicking a pen. And it's very much distracting. Right. Maude wants to speak with her, but she's she won't allow it, telling Maude that she's lucky that she didn't even press charges. She shares that Amanda expresses other concerns, wanting to know if everything is all right. Maude snaps her attention away from the clicking pen, claiming that she's fine. She heads back to her apartment, and I love this camera movement here. Kind of like slowly dollying over. It's so fucking yes. cool, man. She opens up her suitcase to unpack her bag, looking around her room to, at all the holy pictures and trinkets. She wipes away the dust off on her dresser, placing her wrapped crucifix on top. She begins to speak to God. Quote, God, all I feel of, of you now is just pain. A gnawing mm. burning. Maybe it's the ulcers or cancer or appendicitis. If they're trying to teach me something, I, can, I can't see what it is. End quote. As she's speaking, she's in bed, clutching at her stomach with seltzer fizzing on her nightstand. She continues her conversation as she looks out into the sea. Quote, quite frankly, it all just seems such a waste. I was ready and open and alive, and this is my reward? Unemployable, unoccupied? Perhaps you aren't as wise as I thought. End quote. Montage of her unwrapping her wounded hand and and walking on the coast as a violinist plays on the steps. She continues, quote, perhaps I wasn't playing en paying enough attention, end quote. She tries to clean her her wound with an alcohol wipe, but the um, back to the beach as she, her one-sided conversation continues. Quote, I can't help but feel an act of spite has occurred. End quote. Mm. She starts to peel back the loose flesh from the wound before <sighs> we go back to her, uh, her numbingly uh, trying to clear her head as she walks on the beach. She continues, quote, if this is how you treat your most loyal subjects, I shudder to think what awaits those who shun you, end quote. She hears Amanda in the distance with her new nurse, wheeling her, wheeling her over to the edge of the ocean wall to watch the crashing waves. Back inside her room, Maud successfully peels her skin, surrounding her flesh. The blanket with the crucifix falls on the ground, startling her. Maud walks over to, over the boardwalk to, to a bar later that night. She sits at a table, taking her jacket off to reveal that she's wearing more revealing clothing. We got Katie out right now. <laughs> Katie in the house? Katie in the house? Like, what's that beard? Like she, got, she got her makeup on, got the V-neck going. Shouts out to it. I see you, Katie. Over here trying to... You know. Again, she's in the center of the room. Everyone's not looking at her, and she's looking around. Right. But now she's going to make an effort to socialize with the people around her. Right, because she rebuked God. Yeah. Right? So, like, in she's this like, moment, she's me? just like, you, like, what the fuck? Like, we had a good thing Even going like, her here. relationship with God literally fell off the yeah. counter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, also, we had a good thing going. And like and, and you you messed this up for me. You you took this away from me. It, it's pretty much right, she broke like, up was, with God. I was a solid follower. I was doing everything. I was devoted. And and this is how you repay me. Right. This is how you how you show back your loyalty back to me. And she was right. upset at that. Yeah. And this is her rebuking that, trying to get that sensation that God was giving her. And pretty much the best sex she's ever had. Right. Mm -hmm. Where she's trying to get that back. She's trying to, to to get that. But from a physical standpoint instead of a spiritual standpoint. 
Uh, I was looking up here too because I, I always loved like color and film. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the greens and yellows, particular for this movie, I feel like uh, with yellow, it does two things or it does a lot of things. But the big thing on here, it talks about wills, uh, wisdom, mm-hmm. sickness, mm. insecurity, mm-hmm. obsession, mm-hmm. idolization, mm-hmm. and also hazard. Uh, with green, we have a sense of hope. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I can see on that. And I was like, All right, maybe like something about like hope and like what she's going through. Sure. Um, talk I about mean, it's it. definitely the more... time mundanity. And I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe. maybe. When, the scenes, when the scene is bathed in it. Also, um, I don't know the word connote. Connote? But also connotes uh, monsters. Connote monsters? Yeah. Is it two words? Connote monsters? Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But I was Interesting. like, yeah, the colors fit the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. Especially I, the yellow. I, I was agree. like, that's spot on. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, wisdom, knowledge, sickness, insecurity, obsession, idolization. Um, right. Yeah. So that also fits. Yeah. Let's let's look up what connote means because I, I, I don't know what that means either. Uh, how do you spell it? C O N N O T E C uh C O N N O T E to imply or suggest in addition to or primary meaning of okay. monsters I guess interesting to signify monster got it makes yeah. sense she scans the room setting her eyes on a fellow who's having a conversation with his friend in the back of the bar he motions to his friend his raising his eyebrows without taking his eyes off of her quick cut to her giving him a hand job in a different area in the bar as soon as she finishes him she walks back to her seat without a word <laughs> leaving the man confused and dumbfounded dude was so like wait what the fuck but he like apologizes for it and like, I, I think he was just super embarrassed and maybe that's why he was like confused. Like, like, Oh, she wasn't impressed kind yeah. of thing. Um, he walks past her telling her that he'll see her later without looking at her. This confuses her as, as she watches him wa- leave with his friend. Uh, she continues to drink her second pint. She overhears a lively conversation between a group of friends. She tries to enter to inject herself into the conversation by laughing alongside oh. with them. They look at her, finding her intention weird and shine her on to continue their conversation without her. Mod is starting to feel defeated at this point. She goes up to the bar to take another shot. She then ends up inside the bathroom to call Joy, asking her if she would like to come out for a drink, awkwardly asking if she would like to um, to also have, quote unquote, that chat. Um, And I love the camera here. Super unstable, really in her face, moving back. It's like it's it's really showing a very great sense of instability. Right. At this point in time. And the room is full of yellow. <laughs> yes. Room is bathed in yellow. Absolutely. Um, but it, it, it's a really great sense of trying to figure out, like, uh, uh, pretty much trying to trying to find herself, reground herself is, is probably a better way. So trying to ground herself in. Right. She's losing control, knowing what to do. Yeah. Absolutely. And she's reaching out to people. She's like, I, I yeah. Anyone. At this she's point. looking for a lifeline. Yeah, she's reaching out to anyone, like just someone, whoever can grasp onto me first. Yeah, you're going to be the person. That exactly I'm stick what she with told right Amanda. Now. It's like you're lost. She is lost at this moment. Yeah, she doesn't know what to know anymore. Which is great because, like you know, you get that 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 sense of like, oh, you're lost without God, right. kind of thing. And this is kind of the same thing for her. Now, this she is this is her where purpose or main thing anymore, right? 
And this is where we get to an interesting portion of her psychology, right? Where she's definitely having a mental breakdown right now. Yeah. And through this mental breakdown, this is something, this is a hard scene for me personally. Because yeah. this is something I've witnessed in my life twice. And um, it was with my cousin who unfortunately um, did pass away. Um, but it was from my cousin. And seeing him go through his manic episode and things like that where he was breaking us his skateboard outside and he was uh, crying profusely, pulling his hair, throwing things. And this it was late. It was like maybe like 12 in the morning at this point. I was like maybe 13 or 12 yeah. when all this was going on. And it was nuts. And his dad went outside and they fought physically, like yeah. had a fist fight in the middle of the street. And it was just like, wow, like this, this is definitely not how you handle a situation like this. And then the other time was my brother, you know, where for him, it very much was kind of on the lines of her where, you know, he, he shunned God and, and he felt super lost and out of whack. And he was, you know, going through all these, these very intense phases. And uh, it's when he joined a fraternity and all this whole other stuff and they branded him um, as well uh, for punishment for him running away it is it, it was nuts so it's yeah. like all of this stuff like for in this scene definitely hit really close to home for me um and this just goes into an interesting portion of like the psychology behind this portion and it, behind her for what she's going through right yeah for what she's going through and and for how her relationship is with god because it's to put, it's so to, important for her without it, like exactly you said, yeah, she's lost. She's right. And confused, and, she's out of whack, she's she doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And she's looking for any answer at this point. Right. And this is where it makes it toxic. Right. Right. You know, this is where it makes her belief system extremely toxic. Right. The obsession with it. Exactly. She's more obsessed with it rather than following it's an the addiction. faith. In a way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, she likes the way it makes her feel, and and I feel like it's more of an addiction because she's getting sexual pleasures out of it too. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. She's getting something physically, a physical sensation is coming out of it more than a spiritual one, and she's seeking that again. She's seeking that physical sensation, um, and trying to you know find that. Yeah. But. Yeah. She mentions to Joy that she found it weird when she suggested this because she never seemed to like Maud or Katie at this point. Uh, Maud chuckles uh, and then takes it back, telling her to not be like that, then lies that she started to, she started with some friends and they're heading off soon, but she's planning on hanging around a bit. We can't hear Joy on the other end, but it seems like it might be too short notice for her to come out at this point in time. Maud apologizes for sounding stupid and promptly tells her bye before hanging up. Maud goes back to sit at the, sit at her table. The music fades out while all the surrounding sounds of people eating glass clattering in certain conversational tones are making Maud feel even more uneasy and unstable. She notices people that are starting to look at her and then her drink becomes a cyclone. This, be, this causes her to jump out of her seat into a table full of people knocking over their drinks. And then she looks down at some of the drinks that are still on the table, which also become cyclones, which makes her hate to get out of there bumping into um, a more bright personable um, bar patron named Christian he smiles that he uh, he smiles and chuckles that she owes him a drink cut to her giving him definitely more than a drink not allowing him to touch her while she humps on him 
And um, this is interesting, right? Because she's trying, she's trying really hard right. to obtain that same sensation she gets from, from God. God. Yeah. And she's not able to get it quickly. She's not able to get it at all, even. And she's she's not what it's really truly making her do is making her have PTSD. Right. Right. She thinks back in this moment and we'll, we'll, I'll finish it and then we'll talk about it. She's on top of him as she reminds as she remembers back to one of her patients and she's performing CPR on them. It flashes back to Christian and her caving in his rib cage. She screams as blood spills from his mouth, followed by a quick flash to the damp hospital room. It was just an hallucination as he goes to check on her while while kissing her on the shoulder and lying her back down. He then proceeds to rape her. After telling him no, she allows him to just quickly finish so he can get his sloppy body off of her. And this is fucking gross. Yeah. But like, it's interesting that she um, has this moment and this is her realization to where it's just like, I'm never going to fi- find happiness without God. Right. And that's, uh, that's interesting. And it's not even happiness. I don't think she's seeking. I don't think she's seeking happiness. Purpose. I think she's seeking purpose. Yeah. Exactly. Like she's just looking for purpose. Afterwards, he sparks a cigarette commenting that he remembers her, remembering that she used to um, be out all the time. Maude and his friend Tommy hit it off. He smiles and mocks that he remembers her calling her a lovely little nurse. Maude hastily gets gets out of there, stumbling down the damp stairs of her to her apartment. She moves over to her faucet to drink from the tap, leaving the water on, sitting down at her table and sighing from the evening, saying that she did everything and she changed, questioning about doing all the things that, quote unquote, he told her to do, pleading and begging to allow her to fall again as she sobs, willing to do anything as she pleads for guidance. Her hand begins to rapidly shake until she starts retching. Fireworks light off in the sky shortly afterwards. She looks out the window and then falls to the ground, trying to crawl her way back up, turning on her back, noticing the the water flooding out of the sink. She starts convulsing and unnaturally arching her back as she coughs up foam. Her body contorting as she inhales deeply. A roach crawls on the ceiling. And this roach is like a constant like recenter or something. I feel like it like it's like act one. Act, Act two. two, yeah, Act three. yeah. Why definitely the feels like that. I don't know, but sure. I don't know. Who knows? She releases a deep yet soft exhale. She begins to then float as the fireworks explode outside. Obviously, this shot is fucking iconic as hell. It's on uh, on a Fangoria magazine. I think we have that Fangoria magazine as well up there um, on our uh, shelf. But like, this is such an intense scene right and i think in this, this is, moment I, yeah. this is what i wanted the movie to be like i wanted more of this shit you know what i'm saying right. um like more of this kind of aspect of possession and whatnot that's the thing on the trailer that like one me are i'm like yeah, yeah i want to see it yeah <laughs> and obviously in this moment she's probably just having a seizure but for her She's reconnecting, she's back, reconnecting to back to God. Exactly. Yeah. She's, she's hallucinating. Literally that she's rejecting everything she's she just did. Floating to become an angel. Up. Yeah. Right. And in reality, she's probably having a legit seizure. Yeah. Because she's foaming from the mouth and she's convulsing and things like that. When I think she's that's what we're actually essentially. Seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So she floats up kind of reconnecting with God. And then when she gets to a certain point, there's a, a, a huge flash and bang from the fireworks as she floats. And this looks fucking cool. 
Like, this looks awesome. Um, she opens her eyes in a new found way to rebel. And then even in the next morning, she uh, verbally journals and she's like, I had a revelation. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's really fucking, <laughs> like, it's interesting. But Maud cleans up her apartment as she verbally journals. She takes a shower as she reinstates her love for Christ and her religion, feeling shame for falling so easily. She takes her old clothing, placing some some in bags while ripping a sweater, setting it ablaze inside of her sink. All right. Yeah. But this is the first time now. she was able to set something on fire. Right. Right. Uh, she takes some pins and pokes through them in, um, an image of Mary Magdalene. Placing the pins right right side up inside of her shoe, she slowly takes her foot, looking over at her shrine with a smile before stabbing her, stabbing her foot as she stands. She hurls out a scream as we quick cut to Maud walking down the street, breathing through the pain in every step as she accepts her punishment. She speaks through a public uh, tele. Excuse me. She uh, looks through a public telescope on the dock, finding Amanda's house on the hill. She. She creeps away from the telescope as kids and their mother approach the object for a turn. Maud begins to look up information online regarding Amanda, thinking that she should have expected resistance because nothing worthwhile comes easy. She finds an interview of Amanda in an article about her struggling with depression, quoting that she finds herself in a dark place. She looks at one of her dancing videos where it concludes that Amanda looking into the camera, same as the image she found inside of her home. And this is funny because, well, it's not funny, but like this is interesting, I should say, right. because we we first see this, um, her, her looking back as um, Maude being intrigued. And now we see this second point where Maude is now, she's past the, the line of intriguement. She's now more so like obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I need to save this woman. Right. This is what I've been brought. This exactly. is my revelation. Exactly. This is my purpose on the world again. She has her direction again. Yeah. She closes the lid to the laptop, grabbing the, the William Blake book and feeling the note that she, uh, was left from Amanda on the page with her fingertips. She feels that Amanda called out to her, not finding it small, knowing that it meant something. She cuts out the images from the book, repeating to never waste your pain. Maud hangs the note on her wall. She sits on her, on her bed, flicking the lighter on and off, able to actually make the fire this time. She um, thinking back, um, thinking back to Amanda, remembering seeing her with her new carrier, or not carrier, excuse me, carer. Carrier, yeah. um, Maud follows the new nurse Esther to a spot on the water. Esther hums as she sits on the beach. Maud um, walking behind her to meet up with her on the other side. She looks out at the water, commenting out on the beauty. Esther agrees with a grunt and a smile that she takes a bite from her sandwich. Maud asks if she minds if she sits down. Esther doesn't. She questions if Esther works at St. Afras. She responds that she's a private carer. Maud plays it off that uh, she has a friend that, that works there, wondering if she knew her. Esther shares that the uniform is blue. Maud claims that she she has so much respect for anyone in the medical field, finding it almost finding it the most important thing you can do in your life. Esther chuckles and flutters from the compliment, explaining that it can be very rewarding, rewarding even though it isn't all that glamorous, but she loves it. 
Maud continues that she bets that she doesn't get any any time for herself. Esther finds it to be all right, and she has her own life here and there. Maud asks about her patient, wanting to know what's wrong with them. Esther isn't supposed to disclose full details. Maud rephrases the question to ask about her relationship with her patient. Esther shares that they're good pals, that being one of the things that she loves about her job, finding them to be right there at a very important time in people's lives, but that makes things harder in the end. Maud wonders by the word end, um, meaning that if she, if she means when you leave, Esther corrects her that she means when you die or when they die, finding that finding that she won't be with her current one much longer. She finishes her sandwich and tosses it, um, then introduces herself. Maud becomes visibly upset and doesn't return the intro back. Uh, turn the int- return the intro back, but walks away. Maude is back home wondering if she's getting all getting it all wrong, having what if scenarios of how God views her, wondering if that's how Amanda also sees her. Later that night, Maude is still awake as she lies in bed. She hears the stuttering, the excuse me, not the stuttering, the scuttering uh, uh, from the roach crawling out of the sink. It crawls on the floor toward her shrine. The wall pulsates. Maude wakes uh and this is interesting, like when it pulsates. I love the pulse. I don't know why. So it looks cool. It reminds hereditary me of the, had it this reminds too. Me of the shimmer in hereditary. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm like, why is that a thing? But sure, I'll take yeah, it. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's it has. They're all connected. A24 films have all shimmers <laughs> in it. We just. Uh, well, I mean, it is explained in, in Hereditary why why that kind of shimmer slash pulse thing is like Ari Aster has been on record saying that like that's spirit. It's the spirit, um, you know. Um, finding its way uh, right. through, and, and he said that it's mainly Charlie finding its way through. But mm. it could be kind of the same concept here. I mean, she claims that the pulse, the pulsation um, sensation, is uh, God. So rather than her feeling that she sees this pulsation of like God's presence, right? Maud walks up, and and. and it's kind of what I picture it as. I picture it as like Moses in the burning bush. Sure. Right? Like how Moses talked so to I have God a in the really burning bad bush. Moses joke if you want to hear it. Uh, sure. Okay. So, what did God give Moses when he had a headache? Two tablets. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that was pretty good, though. Yeah, that was pretty minute, good. Two, uh, two tablets. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. I'll be here all week. Ha cha cha. Ha cha 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 cha. Mod wakes up um, to it's. Uh, Mod walks up up to her shrine as a deep male voice speaks in Welsh. He says, "Quote, my child, the hour dawns dawns closer." Or dawns near, I think he says. Soon you will join the great embrace. You've known for some time that this world is just a game. Your life, childhood, mom, dad. You could feel there was something more, and all you've yearned for th- was to touch it. I am proud of how far you've come. I am proud of you. A picture drops down and she confusingly picks it up. Questioning, um, or excuse me, uh, he continues, take on this last test and we will be together truly. Maud breathes heavily, questioning how she would know what to do. He claims you have always known. Maud looks back at the p- painted p- image before heading back into bed. Next morning, Maud takes off her sheet and throws it on her body, pulling her rosary over it so she can, uh, so it can be visible. She fashions her hands in a prayer formation, looking back at her shrine, throwing water on her face and filling up a bottle and 
as she blesses the water. Inside the water um, are many po uh, poisonous chemicals, or not inside, beside um, the water. Because I think this is regular water at this point. This is regular water. Yeah, because it's like yeah. acetone and hydrogen peroxide. And it was like, which you could definitely put hydrogen peroxide on your body. Acetone. It, it, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. It makes you, makes you real cold till your fingers get all nibbly wibbly. <laughs> um, uh, a knock at the door stops her from continuing to cleanse her face. It's Joy. Maude looks in the peephole for a moment before opening the door while hiding her hand behind her back. She notices Maude's appearance, wondering if she caught her out of... At caught her just waking up. Maude shakes her head. Joy asks if she can come in. She claims that she's busy, but Joy insists that she'll be quick since she has to go to work soon anyway. Maude steps aside. Joy thanks her as she enters the room. Surprised by the state of the flat, lying that it's nice and tidy, even though it is pretty tidy, but it ain't that nice. <laughs> um, wanting excuse me, Maud picks up the acetone, Joy hoping that she doesn't mind that she got her address from work, wanting to see how it how she was. She looks over at the shrine, calling it cool and that she likes all of this. She apologizes for the other night, truthfully telling her that she might not have been um, much fun together. So it's like her letting her know, like, yeah, I just wasn't ready to see you yet. Like, you know, I have to work up myself too kind of thing. Trying uh, to call her, but she didn't pick up. Joy offers her a cigarette, um, wondering if Maude is still with the patient. Maude continues being silent and walks over to the window, looking behind her, uh, behind her back at Joy as she continues, mentioning mm. about how she re reacted the last time she saw her, correcting herself that she's sure she's doing a good job and that she's always did. Knowing the amount of pressure she places on herself, bringing up that what happened before was not her fault, trying to understand if she knows that too. Maude moves into, uh, to, the, to another window without looking back at her. Joy questions about what's going on and she can, she can tell her, letting her know that they should have been there before it happened, noticing signs of her struggling and nobody did anything. Maude looks up at the sky with her heterochromia eyes. Mm -hmm. The sky swirls, causing, uh, causing her to gawk and drown out Joy's speech. Maude finally um, turns around and approaches Joy, grabbing her by the face before kissing her on the cheek. Joy's nervous by the gesture. Maude tells her, quote, may the Lord bless and keep you, end quote. She doesn't understand Maude continuing um, that it was sweet of her to come by, but she mustn't worry agreeing that she must she was lost back then but now she's transformed and soon everyone will see that joy finds that to be good Maud thanking her for coming and then opens the door for her to leave joy surprised wanting to make sure that she's okay then realizes the time and notices that she does need to in fact leave letting Maud know that she'll come back tonight and happy that things are looking up this is interesting yeah we got an interesting dynamic between these two right now right mod not really wanting to talk understanding that like I, I got things to do my purpose is about to be passed if i don't right. begin and we have joy here who is trying to genuinely make a connection yeah at this point but um one thing that she says that really stands out to me is we notice the signs of you struggling and nobody did anything where she's had this spiral before. Yeah. And that's why, like, in the moment, 
how I what I picture what happened in that moment. I picture there's more to the story of her just performing CPR. Um, I think people were trying to probably have her stop performing CPR because I think it got to a point because there were other I people. I think maybe there. she was obsessive with saving her that it ended up killing her. I agree, and there were other people there in the moment. But when we get the opening scene, she's by herself. But when we get the flashback, there's another doctor present right next to her. Like there's someone pumping air in her right. in the mouth yeah, yeah. of the patient. So there's someone else there, which is why I think someone tried to stop her. And they were like, Maud or Katie, stop. Stop going. Right. Stop. Stop pushing. <laughs> And she kept going. I think she just drowned everything out and was just in the fucking zone of trying to because just save this person's life. Yeah. And then she killed them. She has her own little complex, maybe. Right. Like, when I'm in reality, the, the person the probably was you. brought back already. Right. And she probably was just like so wrapped up in the moment that she just killed them. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I picture what happened, at least. Later that night, Maude has her holy water chemical scissors and lit candle on the table. She munches on some food in her makeshift robe. She runs down the flight of stairs and walks across the boardwalk, eventually ending up at Amanda's house. She opens the gate, peering through the windows as the lights are starting to shut off. She whispers in an indistinct prayer as the trees then seem to respond. Her attention is brought back as Esther leaves out of the house, Maude finding this to be her chance. She slowly walks up to the door, finding the spare key and entering the home. She slowly inquires quietly walks into the house the electricity crackling and pulsating overhead she goes into amanda's room who is far much worse as she sits up in bed maude approaches her with her bottle caressing her face amanda is accepting the touch and returning it back to her apologizing to maude for being so unkind admitting that she made her think things that she didn't want to maude claims that to be all right amanda shakes her head but she she uh, but she tries to reassure her now, this is interesting because we actually let me finish this part because it gets interesting. Yeah. She smiles that the Lord forgives, forgives that which, uh, which is said in anger and he knows her heart. Amanda demeanor shifts. She questions the Lord. Maud suggests God sent her and he forgives everything, but you only have to ask. She places her finger inside the bottle, then signs the cross on Amanda's head. Amanda groans that she doesn't want any of that nonsense and then starts to ch- starts choking for a brief moment. She comments that Maud must be the loneliest girl she's ever seen. Maud believes that she isn't lonely and neither is she as she reaches back into the bottle to sign the cross. Amanda jerks back and tells her to snap out of it knowing that he isn't real. Now, this is where it gets interesting because she's uh, Amanda says this, th- this, says this thing, admitting that you made me feel things that I didn't want to. What I think those things were was love. I don't think those things were God because I don't think she ever cared about that. I think she always knew that God was fake. I think her whole thing was like, here's a person who is genuinely actually trying to care for me. I don't know. Because she... she Cause I, I take it that way. I take it where it's like, you made me think of other things of like, how I'm living my last moments, how I will be judged if I die, and that there is going to be an afterlife where I just want to live my last moments doing what I love. And mm-hmm. that's either being with someone or drinking or smoking my cigarettes or just living my last moments exactly how I live for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. uh, seeing people dance. I can see that too. Uh, so, like, you bringing in this religion 
you made me think about stuff that I didn't want to, of me being judged, me being in the mm-hmm. afterlife, me having to like please God, mm-hmm. so my sins are forgiven, because she doesn't believe in that kind of stuff. She's so like, right. you made me think of stuff that. I didn't. Yeah, but the 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 shift here when she brings up God again, and that's because she doesn't want to. Like, I don't right. believe in this nonsense. But like, I think she just wants her to like. But she also tells her to snap out of it. Yeah, right. Like, like telling Ma. Well, that's to where snap it's like she's it putting too, her right? ideology back on her. It's like, right. You're obsessed with this. This is not real. This is right. nothing. Like, your God does not exist. But she looked like the, I think what makes me confused on this scene then is she looks genuinely ready to forgive Maud and to also forgive herself what she did to Maud. I think she just generally feels bad. It's like, hey, I'm dying. I'm yeah, like this is the last thing. So I don't want any, you know, regrets or whatever right. like, before I pass. And stuff I was like angry that. at you because yeah. I'm dying and I'm pissed off that yeah. I'm dying and I don't want to die, but it is what it is. And yeah. you did something to me that pissed me off. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, yeah. I can see your interpretation for sure. Um, but it could but go like, either I, way. Yeah, I, like totally. I, you know, I, I, I do feel like I'm, I'm leaning a little bit towards my, my interpretation of it's a bit like about you're the actual because, person that cared, right? Yeah, not someone who like, was paid, like not someone who was trying to get in right. my pants the entire time. Like it was like, just hanging a out with me now, for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like it because it seemed like the whole time she was, she was by trying to people. surround herself by people who supposedly love her, but really um, wanted but something her, out of her, exactly. Either her money or her body right it's almost exactly. a dude yeah yeah but i don't know it's interesting but i i definitely agree with yours as well um because i feel like it could just be either or yeah you know? absolutely maude remembers that she felt felt him too amanda shares that she didn't maude doesn't believe that amanda cries that she has no idea how dull it is to be dying hating to be a be the person to break it to her but they are the only ones there nothing she does matters maude begins to sob while amanda laughs finding that to be easy as her mouth widely opens and she roars and this is fucking crazy <laughs> Maud springs back and screams hitting amanda in the head with glass she climbs on top of her calling amanda a devil Maud is shot backwards as amanda's mind fl- um or as amanda uses her mind fl- um, flying back and uh, hitting the dresser and this is wow this is like Taking a Deborah Logan style, right? right here. Yeah, her mouth is so her mouth is super open. elongated, and yeah. it's uh, this is quite the scene. Yeah, uh, it looks great. Looks awesome. Looks really good. Yeah, this Scary looks great. Good. Yeah, I don't like, like it. Her head is just very, very like it looks. It looks good. This looks good. It, it reminds me also of that one, um, that one movie Legion. The thing? Oh no, not the thing. Legion. Um, this was like a thing that they did, except it it looked really bad in Legion because it was really poor CGI. But yeah, it, this is great though. When she fucking smacks her in the head with this fucking like thing, that shit's great. Uh, with an altered voice, Amanda demands for her to take responsibility for her own actions, knowing that she ca- she came back there because she's alone. And if she was a true belie- believer, he would have been all she needs. It being clear now, and she's as weak as her faith. Amanda's eyes are wide. Maud grabs the scissors and starts stabbing Amanda repeatedly. Growls and screams are overcome by her stabbing her in the neck. <sighs> Blood splattering on her face. Amanda gasps for air one last time before Maud leaves out. So what the fuck, dude? This shit was crazy. Bananas. Man, and it's interesting because like... 
She really cut the tension with that one. So cha 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 cha. But uh, she. This, this yeah, this, this is, is wild. Where you really have this moment of the hallucinations really taking over, right? Because um, I I feel she genuinely when she hit her in the head, I think Amanda was like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like you're trying to kill me!" And, I, and I'm sure Amanda was probably screaming out like, "Help!" Yeah, in this moment, which is probably where all the altered voices of and things like I think Amanda was genuinely saying help. And I think what truly happened instead of Maude getting flung over to the dresser, I she think, ran I think over she there. ran over there to grab the scissors. the scissors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to fucking finish. So her you're off. saying all of this is fake, and she's not really a saint. I'm saying she's not really a saint. <laughs> Filled with euphoria, she floats out of the house laughing in victory. She washes the blood <laughs> off her hands. Yeah, this um, scene. Looking at her, this is fucking great. Her like the wind. This just reminds blowing. me of like. Um, this looks Who's awesome. that director? Spike Jones. Spike Jones. Yep, that yeah. is a director. <laughs> I don't know what you're yeah. referring to. Um, though. <laughs> it's like we're like they're like they're not walking. They're like floating. Floating. Yeah. Sure. Like the the scene in Black Klansman when they're in the hallway. Oh yeah, and they're yeah. They're moving yeah, yeah. forward. Ah, oh, so good. I love that's those. Spike Lee though. Spike Lee. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. Spike Jones is a di- yeah, another sorry, director. Different. That's that's the director of Spike her. Lee. Does these shots so yeah. fucking well in all of his movies, and I love it. Yeah, he does definitely. This is like the Dolly Zoom. Every time I say Dolly Zoom, I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. beautiful too. It is. It is very beautiful. Um, Looking at herself in the mirror covered in blood, she lies down in bed, staring at the ceiling, grabbing the sheet and standing up to reveal that she has wings now. Whoa. Um, She stands up in amazement to her new form. Maude takes the flammable chemicals and heads toward the beach. The sky cyclones above. She walks into the middle of the beach and starts to sing. People pass her by, and you even get get a sense of that one person passing her by first who's like what the fuck yeah, like I he's like he's like staring woman in at the her she gotcha. like, this is odd okay um look at those wings though mm. yeah they are immaculate they are yeah this is where the movie almost lost me where it's like two over the top yeah on the like, head of like, like oh she's a saint now like okay all right murder gets you sainthood <laughs> Um, people pass her by and she watches um, them before lifting her head to continue to sing her gospel. The skin, or excuse me, the sky spins more intensely above. She opens the chemical and pours it over her head. The onlookers worry about what she's doing, yelling for someone to stop her. However, from her perspective, she takes out the lighter, looking at everyone standing there to watch her. In Welsh, she says, glory to God, which sounds fucking creepy as shit in Welsh. She's like, it sounds really creepy. Um, And strikes the lighter. The people kneel before her as she smiles and and accepts the flames, where the flames are beautifully kissing her and lightly dancing across her skin. But in reality, she's in agony and set ablaze as she's set ablaze. And I love this because before we see her set ablaze, um, it's very light, it's very colorful, it's peaceful. And then when we see her like, actually <laughs> ablaze, flames. Like it's black fire, it's black flames or black smoke. Yeah. Um, the flames are are violent and aggressive. Body in the, in the middle She's of it, screaming. Fucking hell! Then That's credits. Yeah. Like, I love the ending. I love this ending a lot. Um, you know, I, I like the fact it's that... It's an interesting choice. 
It is. Um, but it works for what the movie is. Yeah. I liked the and, ending even the first time I watched it. That was actually when I first watched it. I was like, oh, that was my favorite part. Um, but, like, I, I, I do like the ending here because it is a very um, cerebral type of... I mean, hey, take it to Debra Logan. Uh, but it's a very <laughs> cerebral type of ending to where you do get this very atmospheric, like, holy shit, yeah, this is definitely all in her head right, right. now. So... Super interesting, but what a movie! Yeah, man, hell of a flick, it's a crazy one. It's a fun one, hell of a flick indeed. And we're gonna continue that um, in just a moment after we talk about our motherfucking movie facts. Movie facts. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many, and some of them are kind of lame. Not many movie facts. Not many movie facts. Uh, kind of lame. Uh, I'll I'll say one that's not lame because it's perfect. Like one of the movie facts, like. Maud's eyes are two different colors. Rose Glass originally yeah. wrote Maud with a more explicit backstory, mm. but removed most of it in the final draft as she found it too similar to Carrie from 1976, saying, quote, in early drafts, the, the character's backstory was quite different. She had this ve very extreme religious upbringing, went to a Catholic school, all that stuff. Um, but it just felt like a story I'd seen before, and it wasn't one I particularly was interested in retelling, end quote. Fair. Uh, originally shot in a taller than normal um, aspect ratio, this was shot in 166 um, by one as uh, director Rose Glass wanted more space and headroom around the characters. It was reframed in post-production to widescreen with a few shots um, extended horizontally for VFX. Interesting. Cool. Right on. Um, Rose Glass won the IWC... Um, Schauhausen filmmaker uh, Brucery Award for this, which was presented to her by Danny Boyle. Hell yeah. That's cool. Good for her. Um, I love this. Despite being a film revolving around religion and Christianity, no passage or verse from the Bible is ever recited. That's a good point. It is a good point. Um, That's a fun fact. Early in the film, as Maude looks at the frame's art poster um, in the closet, the first one has 666 on it. And mm -hmm. that's what I pointed out earlier. Uh, this is biblically considered to be the mark of the bees. Okay. Um, like I said, not all of them are great. <laughs> um... Let's do one more here. Maud punishes herself after her one night stand in drinking, but um, putting nails in, into her shoe. She is practicing corporal mortification to atone for her sins, an extreme and outdated method practiced by some Christians where they commit self-harm while praying. Um, Well-known examples are shown by Opius Day in The Da Vinci Code and Stephen King's novel, Carrie. Huh. So it's a common practice to self self harm and pray. Interesting. Oh yeah, it was huge. Yeah, it, yeah like they're like devout Christians. Yeah. And my this is why I say like my brother used to do this. Like he would fast for punishment, and right. like for a long time to where he did get it's, hospitalized. Some religions actually do that too. Yeah, it's like if you break code or whatever, you have to fast. Mm -hmm. A certain amount of time in the year or something to recoup it back and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Yeah, religion is a powerful thing. It is, man. It really is. Um, but he did, like, a 40-day fast. Right. Um, and, like, waiting until, like, 10 o'clock at night to eat. It was nuts, man. It was nuts. And he got hospitalized, hospitalized for it as well. But, yeah, it was pretty fucking wild. Um, there are some St. Maude theories out there as well. 
and I've seen some interesting ones, but one that was really interesting was uh, uh, the one from Mashable. Mashable had a really, really cool um, explanation behind it. Did it show her as an actual saint? Uh, no. Oh. They don't. But it they it's such a long article that I, I wish I just remembered where it was. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, in keeping with St. Maud's themes of misc moments and the grand tradition of analyzing a 24 horror, Glass, wa- Glass walked us through all of the hidden details in her terrifying debut, including an alternate interpretation of the fiery ending. On Maud's name and the character's first major rewrite, the name made a lot more sense once I decided it was one she had actively chosen for herself, Glass says of Katie, the woman we learned um, Maud uh, was before becoming, well, Maud. Although... Although the name Maud has Germanic origins, roughly translating to strength in battle, Glass explains the name was actually chosen for the pure sounding, but somehow still bland appeal to a bland appeal it um, might have to newly powerful women um, or poise women. As we learn in St. Maud's uh, final acts, Katie had a, at least some social connections before assuming Maud, the Maud moniker and getting rid of her old life. In early drafts, the character's backstory was quite different. Class recalls of the character sounds um, considerably more like Carrie. She mm. has had this more like, extreme religious background, and we read all that before. Right. But although it's not explicitly stated in St. Maud, Glass says that she wrote the final version of Maud's as someone who had completely completely secular upbringing and no real history with religion. So when Maud does find God, an event brought on only in part by horrific hospital accident depicted at the film's beginning is set of seismic shift in the in um in her world view. This is all interesting stuff, but mm. she also has a name for what happens to, to Maud in her uh moments when she's like talking to God and shit. She calls them godgasms. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maud's godgasms and inspiration behind the shoe scene. <laughs> that's a word name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what she calls it. Uh, that's where um, what Glass calls Maud's godgasms came in. These scenes occur throughout the movie, and in some cases, involve distorting Maud's face in post-production to take her reaction even further. That Clark also wore different color contexts throughout the film added to the chilling effect. The idea of having this physical orgasmic. Um, a static reaction was important to me, Glass says. We can all co- um, connect with the idea of wanting to transcend our body in, a, in some way to connect with something and feel a part of something bigger than ourselves. To me, what's happening in those scenes in her head is that, yes, the, there's religion ecstasy, but it's also tapping into the same bit of the brain that gets sexual ecstasy from it all. Huh. There you go. Oh, she also does uh, say this one part as well, and I'll conclude with this portion here. Um, so it makes sense that one of the film's more memorable moments, the, that brutal nail scene to her feet um, that comes from Maude is fired when she's fired from her job is a, and, and has a one-night stand, was inspired part by BDSM. So there you go. Super interesting. Huh. Um, by the way, Clark does the voice of God. In Welsh, and they just toned it down to sound like a male's voice. Yeah, but she does the voice. I thought that was so that's fucking cool. cool. That's a fun fact. They're really, really cool. But 
Goddamn. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah, for real. Let us know what you think about St. Maude, because we definitely want to keep that like conversation going. Did you get going. a godgasm? Who knows? Did you get a godgasm from it? <laughs> let us know. We want to know. <laughs> but uh, definitely let us know Half either on Twitter at Nightlight underscore pod, or you can let us know on uh, Blue Sky, which is um, at nightlightpod.bluesky, all that jazz at the end of it. Uh, but... <laughs> Also, you can let us know in our Discord. We can keep the conversation yeah. definitely going there as well. We do have a Nightlight um, channel inside the server that we just talk about Nightlight and Nightlight yeah. episodes. So or by all Instagram means. Instagram or on Facebook. We yes. everywhere now. Exactly. By all means, you got many a places to go ahead and hit us on up. All of those will be in the show notes as well. So you can definitely be hitting us up over there. Um, but the next film that we are going to be covering is... Woo! Talk about Gargasm. That's what I'm talking about, yeah, man. We're it's about none to. other than Gasp. For noise climax. <laughs> I'm so Holy ready to revisit shit. this one. It's, it's, it's I'm happy I've seen it, so I'm not gonna be yeah, as like too surprised, I guess. Or terrified or yeah. It's a great fucking movie. The the opening scene's dope as fuck. It's great. It's and great. Then it goes downhill. Yeah. In a good way? Bad way? We'll find out next time. I don't know. I love it. Anyway, this was the Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Night. Alongside me, we have Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever, also known as Nighty Night. With your help, we can reach more Coolish Nights with your recommendation as someone who would actually enjoy the show. If your podcast app allows you to rate our show, consider giving us a five-star rating, as it honestly does help us out a ton. For extra horror-related content, you can head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a what? K. And remember, everybody. Don't forget your nightlight.